Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Legends never die When the world is calling you <laughs> Can you hear them screaming out your name? Legends never die I only know that part of the song. Nice. <laughs> Good enough. Legends do indeed never die. Because they go to the command zone and then they come back. Yeah, uh, fans of League of Legends would have heard that worlds a few years ago. But hey! How's it going, everyone? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. It's that time, and by that time, it's the first time it's ever happened. Commander Legends, a full-on set dedicated to the Commander format that's draftable, is here. And there are 70-plus new Legends to talk about. Yeah, it's a lot. Usually, we've got like 15 to 20 in a set. 70 is unprecedented. We're going to end up doing um, a bunch of extra. Yeah. We're going to split everything up because we can't just do like all the legends because that's going to be like five hours long. And yeah. then there's partner legends. There's all kinds of stuff. By the way, he's Jimmy Wong. Oh, yes. I'm Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> wait, wait. How's it? How's we, are, it? We, we are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. This is going to be part one of the solo legends. So these are the legendary creatures who can be your commander but do not have partner. Yes. That's going to be a two-part series. Then we're going to do at least two parts. For, for the, the partners. partners then we'll do all the cards that are in the 99 and then we'll probably do a bunch of other stuff because the set is bonkers but before we get into it we got to take a quick break i almost said break <laughs> no a quick moment a, a quick moment and yes. talk about our sponsors yes cardkingdom.com slash command zone look Right now might not be the safest time to draft Commander Legends in a store. A lot of stores are closed down. But that doesn't mean that you can't pick up booster packs if you're in the U.S. That doesn't mean you can't pick up all the amazing singles from this set because they will affect the format for sure. There are lots of really interesting cards and a lot of powerful, impactful ones. So if you use that affiliate link, you are purchasing every single Magic card that you need from Commander Legends, from any sets that are coming up, and you're also supporting the show at the same time. It's super simple. All you do is type in cardking.com slash command zone, and blammo, you are there. Yeah, you're going to want a lot of these cards. Uh, to be clear, they're also available and not the U.S. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only sealed product is the uh, the only sort of uh, thing that Karkin can't send outside. Yeah, but they're still doing pre-orders for, pre for all the singles. Mm -hmm. There are a ton of singles that you're going to want from this set. Uh, there's some pretty bonkers stuff here. Yeah, so... Nice. 
yeah, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to buy that stuff anyway. May as well just use the affiliate link when you do to simultaneously support game nights, extra turns, this podcast, all of our content. And then when you get your hands on those cards, you want to protect them. You want to keep them safe. There's no better way to do it than by using Ultra Pro product. They are the ones that Jimmy and I personally trust with our own collections, our own decks, all sleeved up in Ultra Pro Eclipse sleeves. If, yeah. In fact, I'm transferring over to the Pro Gloss Eclipse, Eclipse sleeves for a lot of my decks now just because that shuffle feel and the look of the cards it just cannot be beat. And I know that my cards are going to be very, very safe when I've got them in Ultra Pro products. Not just that, they're amazing sponsors and they're giving us a ton of Commander Legends stuff. We're still figuring out how we're going to give it away, but keep tuned into all of our Commander Legends episodes and there is a good chance that you could win some awesome swag from the set. Yeah, Ultra Pro always giving us stuff to give away. So uh, Commander Legends is a pretty special time. We're going to give away yeah. more stuff than normal. Uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. There's all kinds of cool perks like talking with Jimmy and I in our Discord each and every day. You get to watch game nights earlier than the general public. You get to watch extra, extra turns, turns earlier than the general public. Also, game nights and extra turns are ad-free when you see them early. And spoiler alert, we've got a game nights episode based around the Commander Legends stuff and an extra turns episode based around the Commander Legends stuff. Whoa! Uh, so there's a lot to look forward to and a lot of perks to be cashed in for the patrons. Uh, and the final thing that we benefit that the patrons get is we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated, dedicated to... to Verita Rizel. Rizel? Rizel. 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 Verita, you rock. You do rock. Sorry, we we probably didn't get your name right even once in there. <laughs> we tried, though. We did our best. Yeah, as long as we try. <laughs> All right. Commander Legends, Solo Legends, part one. This is like a new sequel trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like confused. It's like the, yeah. yeah. It's like there's like four colons in there. Yeah. So again, we're going to be covering this over a lot of a lot of episodes. And there are also Commander Precons and new cards as well. So what we're going to do are two episodes, 16 creatures each for the non-partner legendary creatures as commander. This is the first one. And then there's going to be two episodes for the partner legendary creatures as commander. And there are 38 of those. So we'll split that in half. And then there's going to be cards in the 99, so cards that are not legendary creatures, but you can put into decks. And uh, we might even do something about Commander Legends Draft. We'll see. Okay, lots, lots to come. So we, we better get started. Yes. Uh, quick note, uh, because of the way that this was split up, uh, I think due to balancing in the draft, it turns out that there are uh, two commanders in every single color pairing. And only red, white, and green, blue actually have three because of the precons. And then there's one commander for each three-color shard or wedge. So we're going to break it down sort of that way as we go through it. And, of course, there will be timestamps as well if you want to just sort of look. Oh, I want to see the Azorius commanders or I want to see the black-green ones. Yeah, so in the back. more info box, hopefully we, we remember to actually do this. There should be time code stamps for, like, if you just want to find a certain commander, uh, you can jump to that time code. Yep. Okay, what are we starting with? We are starting with white and blue. So, the, again, there are two commanders in every single of the color pairings, and white and blue starts off with Kanji, Sky Warden, or Kanji. I just think of the edible Kanji. Kanji is the soup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I really like Kanji. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how you spell it. That's This is due Kanji? for a, a Kanji? Kanji Agashira? Kanji? You want the nummy? Yeah, sure. Sure. Either way, it's three a white and a blue for a 3-3 legendary creature bird wizard with flying and vigilance. Whenever Kenji, Kanji, Skywarden attacks, attacking creatures with flying get plus two plus oh until end of turn. And whenever Kanji blocks, blocking creatures with flying get plus two, zero plus two until end of turn. When so you block, you get toughness. And when you attack, you get power if you're flying, flying 
tribal. Yeah, this has actually been something that Wizards has supported a lot more recently, most notably with Ineaz, the Gale Force, which was in Jumpstart, which was a, another interesting sort of blue-white version of making um, whenever three or more creatures you control with flying attack, each player gains control of a non-land permanent of your choice controlled by a player to their right. Um, but flying tribal is no, no new thing. There's lots of cards that sort of support this archetype. Yeah, it's not super exciting, right? Uh, yeah. You kind of search gather for things that fly and care about flying, and you, then you put a bunch of those in. I mean, they've been doing this a lot. Menace Tribal, Menace Tribal, right. Death Touch Tribal, Trample Tribal. So I, it seems like at some point somebody at Wizards went, you know what? We can do Keyword Tribal. And they've started to build that slowly rather than do it all at once, yeah. which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Kanji's been around, by the way. Airy Keeper was the original version of Kanji. And then we'll just list off a few cards. You'll see them on the screen. Watcher of the Spheres is helping you cr cast cheaper flying creatures. They get plus one, plus one. I mean, the, you can buff the Watcher. Animal Sanctuary is a new card that cares about birds because Kanji is a big old bird. Soul Catcher's Airy, Empyrean Angel, Emiria Angel. Basically, there's lots of stuff out there to make flying travel work. I actually like this. I think it's cool that, you know, I think for a new player, if you gave them a flying travel deck, they could figure it out. That's a great entry into the format. They're probably going to knock a couple players out. Yep. So that's great. I'm, I'm fine with this. I recently learned from Game Nights that flying is still good in Commander. Still so good. Always good. <laughs> Very often you're like, oh, crap, that has the thing has flying? Well, I'm going to die to that. <laughs> oh, so if your whole deck's flying, that seems decent. Goodbye, Planeswalker. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the next card. Yes. All right. The second blue-white entry. It is Quain, uh, Itinerant Meddler. Itinerant? Itinerant. Okay. He's got an itinerary, maybe. Yeah, he's late, he's late for a very he's important He's late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is white and a blue for a 1-3 legendary rabbit wizard. Hey. It is definitely the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. I'm thinking this might be a card that's from Strixhaven because it's very magical and I could totally see rabbits running around Strixhaven. All right, so it's two mana, white and a blue for a 1-3, but you can tap it and each player may draw a card. Then each player who drew a card this way gains one life. So you may draw a card. I don't know who's going to say no to that. <laughs> uh, but if if you say yes and draw the card, then you will also gain one life. This also kind of seems like a new-ish tribe that they've been supporting for a long time, which is like, let's give everyone the ability to draw and make the game a little smoother. Um, this is a two-mana card, so this is coming out really early, as early as a Howling Moon might. But you have control. Howling Mine. Howling Mine. <laughs> Howling Cat. You're Howling thinking Rabbit. of Cami of the Crescent Moon. Cami of the Crescent off, Moon, yeah. yeah we're going to talk about it in a second, yeah. Yeah, so there are a lot of cards that do this. Temple Bell, right? You can do it. Um, in this in this case, people can choose whether or not they want to draw a card, but you're right. Who would ever say no to that? Yeah. Especially I mean, if, if you got Nekazar or something out, maybe, but you know, yeah. different colors, obviously, except yeah. my Nekazar deck. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so this is probably... It, you could go in the group hug direction. Everybody's drawing a lot of cards type mm -hmm. of, of cards. Yeah, there's like Tomorrow, Azami's Familiar, which is a card that lets you scry three essentially every time you're about to draw a card. Alharmarath's Archive and uh, yeah, Teferi's Ageless Insight both have this replacement effect, which is if you would draw a card except for the first one, you draw on each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. So you tap Quain and you say, everybody else gets one, but I get two. Yeah, however, you don't gain a life because the draw card is replacing the full-on effect. Oh, you didn't draw the card, a card yeah. this way. Way, you do yeah, it another way. way yeah. Uh, oh, 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 darn. I, oh, I lose one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this, I think it's just an interesting card. There's oh, next card. Oh, yeah. It's perfect with it. It is quite perfect with it. Can you name me a card in white, Josh, that cares about other players drawing cards for your benefit? Mothering Tithe. That's great. You're just like, everybody draw a card. By the way, can I have three treasure? Thank you. Yeah, that seems really powerful. I think if you just go this direction for like big mana Azorius, or you can put Quain into other decks, obviously. I think he's great. In a Feldegriff deck, 
He's pretty good in a Kaneos and Tiro deck, just because you're trying to get this General effect. General group huggy yeah. type stuff. And then if you want to get really mean with it, you Yeah, can... I put down the two meme cards. <laughs> you know, you just talk about them real fast. So, Narset, Parter of Veils, which is a Planeswalker that has a static ability. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. I thought Leovol was banned. Yeah. <laughs> it's not amazing with Quain, right? Because right. if you do it on your turn, they're all going to draw. They haven't probably drawn a card yet this turn. Right. But what you can do is deny a certain specific player the card because you, you activate it on their turn mm -hmm. with Narset out and you're just... And you can use that for your politics, right? Like, I've got Narset out. It's not going to be that bad. But if you're mean to me, then I'll just activate Quain on your turn on your after turn you've after. drawn the, And everybody else will draw, but you <laughs> won't. Um, same thing you can do with uh, the next card, which is Spirit of the Labyrinth. Yeah, each player can't draw more than one card each turn. This does actually just shut down a lot of decks that want to draw a bunch of cards. And this is the same thing, because you draw, you, you activate Quain on somebody else's turn, so you haven't drawn a card yet this turn. They yeah. don't draw any cards. Everybody else gets one. Politics, politics ensue. Also, you know, this is a deck that's in blue. You could have Windfall in the deck and things like that. So just happen to have Narset out and be like, oops, I'll oops. do the Leovold thing. Nobody has. I'll do the Kyle Hill thing. Nobody has any, any uh, cards in hand anymore. Jeez, it's just the Kyle Hill thing. Leovold doesn't exist. It was replaced by Kyle Hill. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah, so Quain, Itinerant Meddler, definitely is going to be meddling a lot. Um, I don't see myself building a deck around this, but I could see this slotting into a few different places. Yeah, I wish it didn't say May, because now I can't even put it into my Nekusar deck. That's true. I'm just going to be like, I don't want... Well, well, here's the thing. If it's only one Nekusar effect, they gain the life, They're like, and they lose I break it. even, I'll draw. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, got him. Next turn, I'll get you, I swear. All right, moving on, we're going to talk about how white and blue pair up with other colors. In this case, red. So we have our Jeskai commander in Nostro, Voice of the Craigs, or Crags in this case. It's one in Jeskai, so one blue, red, and white for a 3-3 legendary creature, Chimera. And you can tap it to choose one, and X is the number of spells you cast this turn. So you can either tap the Chimera to scry X, or Nostril deals X damage to target creature, or you gain X life. Storm seems to apply to a card that cares about casting a lot of spells. It's funny because they built it for Storm ostensibly, but it doesn't have a real great Storm payoff. Like a win condition, basically. Like, if you storm off, then you kill a creature. Uh, you gain a bunch of life. Yeah. Uh, you you scry. scry a bunch. You don't even draw. So, I kind of like that, actually, because storm is pretty powerful and also the type of mechanic that's kind of boring to play against because they either kill you or they do nothing. Yeah. Uh, this makes it so that storms may be a little bit, quote-unquote, more fun or enjoyable for your opponents in that you storm a little mm -hmm. and then... Who am I kidding? You're going to storm a lot and then you're just going to win with a different card, like you know any of the goblin warrens or whatever the mill one or something yeah. else or uh, probably Aetherflux reservoir because that's what everyone storms off and wins with so i think with nostro maybe you're just going spells matter you're right you're gonna play this in the deck let's say you have an artifacts matters deck and you have an urza in your deck and you can tap your artifacts to add a bunch of mana so now you're casting a bunch of stuff you're getting a ton of value off of nostro nostro seems more like a supportive character as a commander as opposed to sort of like do storm with this sure I just, yeah, you, are people going to put Urza into their Nostro deck? I mean, no, <laughs> but maybe you would put Kaza Royal Chaser and go for a full wizard deck, but then yeah. why don't you just have a wizard as your commander? Elsha of the Infinite, these two seem oh. like a pair made in heaven because yeah, okay, Elsha can cast cards off the top of your library. Um, and So with some top deck manipulation, you yeah. can really go through a bunch of, yeah, yeah. Um, Kaikara Wins Fury is another one of those decks that people do build to be Storm. But again, if you're just casting three, four spells a turn, I think Nostro is worth it. I think maybe even if you're casting two spells a turn, it's worth it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Kaikar and Elshar are just going to be strictly better Storm Commanders because yeah. they give you the pieces you need for Storm, which is cards and or mana. Even this better, just pays yeah. you off for Storm, but usually you, when you're Storming, you're cycling through a lot of your deck, and so you don't really need a payoff, and these aren't even great payoffs. I mean, I think you could probably build this in sort of a more fair slash fun way where you're taking advantage of casting... Cantrips, small things. Yeah, you're not going to cast... You're not, your goal's not really to cast like 20 spells in turn, but mm-hmm. like three or four, and then you're going to take weird advantage of like that that ability to deal damage to target creatures. So maybe you have like ah. Brash Taunter in your deck. There you go. Yeah, Brash Taunter is a new card from M21. It's a five mana indestructible 1-1. One, one. When it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. So there's a kind of a win condition or a you know hurt people a lot condition, right? Yeah, you got to set up your combo and then still storm off before it actually does anything. But as like just value, like hey, I cast three cards this turn, boom, mm-hmm. Brash Taunter, deal three to you. Yeah, you know it because Nostro is kind of a Tim in some ways, right? It can't hit players, but it can hit creatures. So right. Um, so repercussion then gets better because now you can deal damage to a creature, and then that creature deals that much damage to its controller. And the normal stuff we talk about with Tims all the time, like Death Touch, give it Death Touch. Okay, mm-hmm. now I can just kill creatures every time you tap it. Uh, untap it. You know, untappers will be good. Fate Stitchers and things like that, right? Not to mention if you can, you know, if you unearth the Fate Stitcher, that counts as casting a spell, right? Oh, no, that's that's activating ability. Well, how about this? How about Vadrock Apex of Thunder? This is a card that can mutate onto Nostro. Mm. So maybe put Nostro in the deck. And then when it mutates, you can cast a non-creature card with CMC3 or Leshmer Graveyard without paying his mana cost. So boom. Oh, boom. Storm. Storm. (laughs) It's more like a couple of raindrops. (laughs) It's not like a full-on storm yet. (laughs) But uh, maybe we're getting there. For me, I think like Nostro and, and the whole like repercussion route is so risky. If the other opponent just has a, a you know a sack outlet, and then you're like, all right, gonna Nostro your creature for twenty damage, and they're just like, I will sacrifice it in response. Bye bye. Well, sure, but I mean, you still are killing the creature. I mean, repercussion doesn't obviously help you there, but yeah, like if if what you want to do is kill creatures, I mean, I like Brash Taunter a lot though. I think that card is actually a, a great friend of Nostro, but the deck is hard because you kind of have to build it to be spells matter. But you, if you don't want to build Storm, then you're just kind of stuck with like what we said, the sort of cantrippy small mana spells and it's whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, not super, super exciting, but I think there's maybe some interesting stuff you can do with it. It is in the Storm colors. So, you yeah. know, yeah. All right. Now there is a card that's coming up right now that is exciting. In fact, it's so exciting. It's absurd. It's this, absurding. It's absurding. It's, uh, this might be, I don't know. Do you think this is the most powerful <laughs> commander? <laughs> mm, it might, it's, it's, it's up, up there. there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the most, but it's up there. It's Amareth the Lustrous. Three and Bant. So three green, white, blue. Six mana total for a 6-6 six, six flying legendary dragon. Whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it shares a card type with that permanent, you may reveal that card and put it into your hand. Uh, so any permanent, this includes uh, lands, right? When you yeah. play a land, you reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, it goes into your hand. Hey, how about you fetch land? Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, two chances to get a land. Obviously, top deck manipulation is going to be the order of the day for Amareth. Yeah, play a Brainstorm, play a Scroll Rack. Um, we know Scroll Rack is being reprinted in this set. How about Cultivate? What about any ram spell? You're going to get more value off of this. Typically, when you cast a 6 CMC commander and you draw Cultivate, you're like, well, I don't really need it. But in this case, if it's going to start cycling you through your deck and you have ways to manipulate the top of your deck, holy moly. Not to mention there's so many green cards now, like the new Vivian that let you look at the top card of your library and Vizier of the Menagerie and stuff. So you're going to know how to sequence stuff up. 
Yeah, so like explosive vegetation put two lands into play. Yeah, gets you two looks at the top card of your library. Uh, does it reveal the card? And if it's not, what happens to it? If it shares a card type with that permanent, you reveal that card. Oh, so it'll be the maybe same. Yeah. Uh, so explosive vegetation maybe not as good unless you are setting up the top of your library because you'd reveal the top card if it's a, not a land. Yeah. It, then you reveal it with the second trigger too, the same card, right? I mean, I think there's so many different ways you could build this commander. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. I have a card up on my phone that made Josh go, oh man, and we've already talked about it. But yeah, right, there's so it's many ways. It's already good, like <laughs> one of the best cards of the format, but There's wow, so many ways you can build this. Because it doesn't say non-token permanent, it exactly. just says another permanent. Another, another permanent. So let's, if you let's play what the card is. Yeah. Smothering Tithe, and you have an Artifacts Matters deck. Oh boy. Every single time you get a treasure, reveal the top card of your library. If it's an artifact, draw it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And That's crazy. I think you could go lands matter with this, and that way you're stacking lands on top of your library, you're getting a bunch of landfall triggers, you want to be playing your Azusas and stuff. And then that's allowing you to, to yeah. play extra. Yeah, so you probably want like 45 lands in the deck too, just to up your chance of hitting lands. All your cards let you play more lands, and then you just win with landfall triggers. Another lands matter deck, but this one in Bant, which was not something we've really seen. Yeah, I think this would be an amazing Enchantress commander, um, mm. because enchantments yeah. are already in the, in the end of the battlefield. They're a permanent, you can flip the top card, library and most of the enchantress cards like tuvasa and estrid they just want you to play more enchantments and you draw cards off of them yippee yeah seems very very powerful yeah uh you can go the flicker route and play a rune of the hidden realm in the in the deck like this so you flicker it and that's entering the battlefield and then you look at the top card and yeah is it a creature yep. you have like now emil the blessed Adrosi displacer soul herder thassa deep dwelling um, blinky stuff all the blinky stuff uh one card that i actually was really excited about was charming prince it's one in the white for a 2-2 when it enters the battlefield you can scry two, gain three life or exile another target creature you own and you return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step so this is one of those few cards where it comes in triggers amareth blinks like a creature triggers amareth again so That's you get cool. that double value uh brutalizer exarch is an old favorite of mine this actually just draws you any creature card in your deck you pay it for six mana, and you can search your library for a creature card, reveal it, shuffle your library, and put that card on top of it. You play it, and you stack the trigger so that Brutalizer Exarch goes first. out first. Put anything you want. Amareth will reveal it because it's a creature with Brutalizer Exarch, and you put it in your hand. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Glenelendra also, when it comes back, <laughs> does another trigger. Yeah, so it's just all like, the persist, everything Do you like need that. more value off of it? Uh, sure. Mole Drifter, you get a, a creature in the battlefield with right. Voke. Um, again, I don't know if Bant needs the help. They just got Chulain last year and Arquetas, the Strategist, which are both just nuts with this card. <sighs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're running those as your commander, this is in the 99, which is just like yeah. another value card. And it's probably on the level of like a Panharmonicon in those decks anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, when it's your commander, it's kind of a different thing. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think there are going to be many ways to just kind of draw out your deck or most of your deck if you feel like it, especially once you have top deck manipulation. So yeah. definitely a powerful, powerful card. Yeah, card. it's definitely up there. It is six mana, but again, in these colors, you should have no problem getting there. All right. On to the next one, which is decidedly quite a bit less powerful. <laughs> yeah, but cool. I'm sure I'm sure our our, uh, our Vorthos players appreciate this because this is the last of the uh, the Angel Sisters. Oh, I did not know it's that. It's Lisa, Shroud of Dusk, two white, white, and black for a legendary creature, Angel, 5-5. Five, five. Rather than pay two for each previous time you've cast this spell from the commands on this game, pay two life that many times. It's got flying and lifelink, and whenever a player casts a spell, they lose two life. So you play life rather than commander tax. Yeah, which is interesting because you actually don't have a choice. You, yeah, you have, to do, have to do it each time. So it's still a five mana commander. If it dies once, it's five mana and one Phyrexian mana, essentially, or two life. 
Um, however, it's got this whenever a player casts a spell, so yourself included, they lose two life. This it is like does death have lifelinks, so yes. it gives you back the life that you've lost. Uh, you know, that's what it's supposed to do anyway. And you're in black white, so you can lean into the life gain theme a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's probably what you want to do because everybody else is going to cast spells, take uh, two every time, and you're going to kind of be able to gain that life back, whereas hopefully they won't. Not to mention if they remove it, you know, too bad. It's coming back out for the exact same mana cost. And, and it doesn't matter that much to you if you've got life gain, right? So yeah. it's like, whatever. For life, sure. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a deck that makes you a lot of friends. I've played against Combo Console of Allocation decks, which basically do the same thing, uh, except you're gaining some life whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell. People don't like you when you play that deck. And I don't know if people will love you when you play Lisa either. For the record, I like Camball decks because they make games fast. Yeah. And it's like, whatever, everyone's taking damage. Somebody's going to win eventually, but it's going <laughs> to, you know, uh, yeah. Speaking of paying life, though, uh, Font of Agony is mm -hmm. actually quite favorite. Every time you recast Lisa, you get some blood counters. Uh, Good card if you're paying life a lot. Yeah, Villas, Broker of Blood, whenever you card. lose life. Just, yeah, just, how, many, how many ways can black and white make Villas better? Turns yeah, out you can pay life to give creatures negative one, negative one until end of turn, and then whenever you lose life, you draw that many cards. So if you cast L Lisa, Liesa? Liesa. Uh, if you cast her, you know, for the third time, you're just going to draw four cards. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's pretty, pretty sweet. Good, yeah. And then every time you cast a spell, you lose two life, so you draw more cards. Oh, that's true. That's so, right. You could actually, is awesome. I feel like you just go off at that point. Yeah, probably. Uh, polluted Bonds, whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, that player loses two life and you gain two life. So I think you just stack the deck with a bunch of these sort of death and taxes, aristocrats type stuff. You're going to be gaining a ton of life. You've got the whole ghost council to help you out in this regard. <laughs> And then uh, you win the game that way. And then you h occasionally hit them for five in the air, you know? Oh, yeah. I like Children of Corliss in this deck because oh. it is a, a white mana for a 1-1, one, one, but you sack it and you gain life equal to the life you've lost this turn. So in a deck that's going to lose a bunch of life on purpose, seems like you a good idea to just... <laughs> all the Rebel Tutors and get it out. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's worth it. But... I think that's actually a deck that was running around for a little bit in more serious formats. Anyway, yeah, Lisa seems interesting. Um, not, you know, nuts, but... An interesting way to use life gain, though. Um, you know, it's sort of indirectly, which I kind of like, rather than them just going down the same life gain routes that they have. And I kind of like getting around commander attacks, too, because we've talked about how after you've lost your commander twice, you're just never going to cast it again. Right. So. All right, the next one is... Delise? Delise? Khaleesi? Khaleesi. <laughs> it's Khaleesi. It's, it's Thalise? The lease? The lease Talise, is up. maybe? Your lease is up, Josh. You have to... <laughs> it's T-H-A-L-I-S-S-E. You uh, can all tell us in the comments the correct pronunciation. Reverent medium. Talisi, reverent medium. Sure. Three <laughs> white, black, five mana total for a three, four human cleric. Says at the beginning of each end step... Ooh, spicy words in commander. Create X-1-1 one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying, where X is the number of tokens... You created this turn. So on Whoa. every end step, you check how many tokens did I create this turn? I'll make that many 1-1 many one, one, uh, spirits. That's very powerful. Um, tokens matter in black and white. Uh, a card like Ophiomancer suddenly, suddenly gets really, really good because you can sacrifice it, right? You're each snake because at the beginning of each upkeep, upkeep if you don't control any snakes, you make a snake. So you'll get a snake and then get a spirit on the end step. Sacrifice the snake before it cuts to the next upkeep. Get, get a snake spirit. and a spirit. So yeah. that's three one ones. Um, hey, have you seen this card before, Josh? Uh, it's yeah. called Smothering Tithe. The funny thing about Smothering Tithe is that you don't think it would apply here, but Delisi doesn't care about if they're creatures. It just says the number of tokens 
you've created this turn. Cheap. Any kind. Clue tokens, <laughs> treasure tokens. So with Smothering Tithe, yeah, it's just like, hey, get a treasure, and then on your end step, oh, I made a treasure this turn, so I'll get a spirit. Sometimes you get more than... Sometimes you get yeah. two, three spirits. Often, because they're drawing cards, right? It almost feels like a typo. Yeah. <laughs> it just said creature tokens, but yeah. no, it just says tokens. So Pawn of Ulamog also makes tokens uh, whenever Pawn or another non-token creature you control dies, you create a zero-one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature. Uh, Endric Sar. Oh, every time you cast a creature, you make X one one black throw creature tokens. Jeez. And then if you have seven or more, you, you have to sack them. But what you do is you sack the creature tokens before you get to seven. To an altar to make more mana to cast more creatures. Yeah, to hopefully never create seven all at once. So yeah. the Endric Star's always around. But you can make five, go to zero. Make another three, go to zero. And then boom, you make how many one ones? Sengir Autocrat is an older card. It makes zero one black surf creature tokens. Secure the wastes. You can do this at instant speed to make X one one white warrior creature tokens. Imagine if I just made five of those five one ones. That's a massive board state at someone's end step. Yeah, that's ten creatures for only like six mana. Yeah, would be pretty brutal if you then go like pump spell attack. Good point. Um, Martial coup is another way to make a bunch of tokens, and it will destroy all other creatures if you make five or more. It's uh, White, white, and X. Make Pretty X. Good. Yeah, so yeah, step mana, wipe the board. Now you get 10 power because you get five flyers as well. Yep. Uh, Mentor of the Meek is very good in this kind of deck because you're going to want to draw more cards that way. And then you have your Lingering Souls and your Spectral Procession. You could just sort of make like a Tokens Matter. Yeah, just deck. cards that are just making th two or three tokens are pretty good because they actually make four to six tokens, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, that changes the efficiency math on the CMC a lot because normally you're like, eh, three mana make two tokens, not that good. But three mana make four tokens, that all of a sudden pushes it into the realm of playable. Yeah, if you're going to put Thalise, Thalise, Thalise into the 99, Alenda, the Dusk Rose, got a lot better with the commander dies rules changed this year and so when alenda dies you're going to put a bunch of one one vampire creature tokens with lifelink onto the battlefield equal to alenda's power and then boom more 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 spirits i actually think alenda goes into the talise deck because <laughs> every time a creature dies you put the counter on alenda ah. so then you're sacking your creatures like we said endrick star that kind of thing alenda gets pretty big then yeah you know before the end step on the turn before your turn you sack alenda make 20 you know vampires and 20 one one flyers or whatever can we just rather these both say partner yeah <laughs> <laughs> seems broken yeah oh, no, um, this one's really good i like this one a lot this is i think perfect for this kind of deck yeah so pitiless plunderer three and a black for a one four whenever another creature you control dies create a treasure token so it can be a token which is really important here plus it so you sack a, a, a token right you sack mm -hmm. your spirit token that makes a treasure which is going to make another spirit token right and you can get into some loops, I think, where like at Jimmy's turn, you only got two uh, two flyers or two tokens that you made or whatever. But on his end step, you make two more. And then on the end step, you if you have a sack out, right. you make four more. And now it comes back to your turn and you've got 16 or whatever. Yeah, and 16 mana. And you, you know? can keep it going. And treasure too. tokens. Yeah, right, right. right. So, that's the one thing that you're always wanting in a deck like this is to be able to just be really explosive and Pitiless Plunderer gives you not only the token generation you need, but the mana then to take advantage of the fact that you made a lot of tokens. The nice thing too is that you get to do this on other players' turns. Yep. So it's not just like play my commander, hope nothing happens. Now I can do stuff the next turn. You can play Thalise and have that engine going the moment you play her as long as you have a sack outlet. Pretty cool. Yeah, very, very cool. 
Uh, Tasa Karlov oh, used boy. to sort of be the go-to for the tokens deck mm-hmm. um, because your creature tokens get Vigilance and Lifelink. And then this was great with the sort of any any dying triggers, it triggers an additional time. So What you're going to have, because the way this deck is probably going to win is going to be those normal aristocrats style cards, right? Yep. Like Zulaport Cutthroat, Blood Artist, Bastion, Bastion of Remembrance, Remembrance makes a brand a new token. one. Yeah, makes a token and gives you the effect you need and is an enchantment, so it's hard to remove. Yeah, Jeez. so that's like the perfect card in this deck. And then, so those are going to those triggers will double up with Tesa, which if yeah. you're not, you know, if you're not going infinite, and this is not the type of deck that probably will because of the way that yeah. Elise triggers. It's like you, trade something in, get something back, sort of like it's just back and forth. Yeah, it's going to be the, the classic, not infinite, but a lot. So I'm going to do, you know, sack 10 things on Jimmy's end step. That'll make, or right before it. Right. That'll make 10 more things. And then on the next end step, I'll do that again. And then you're probably all dead. It wasn't infinite, but it's enough to kill everyone. It definitely was enough. Yeah. Um, and then if you're going to put this into the 99 of other decks, I thought Gave or Gave, Guru of Spores would be amazing because this is a deck that's always just dropping tokens left and right mm-hmm. with 1-1 one, one counters and then boom the least comes out when you have Gave out and you just do some crazy thing and now you have more fodder than before to sacrifice and it's uh, a way to make tokens in instant speed yeah I really like this in Queen Marchesa as well because oh. when Queen Marchesa enters the battlefield you become the monarch and then if an opponent is the monarch at the beginning of your upkeep you make a 1-1 one, one black assassin creature token so and by the way what better way to get monarch back than with a 1-1 one, one white flying spirit creature <laughs> that's a good point actually yeah and then if you're also playing red, you can play cards like Season Pyromancer, the Chandras that make three ones or like Elementals. Oh, because those are tokens? And then Young Pyromancer, similar idea. So there's a lot of different ways I think you could go. The least just seems like a card that is great because it's good as Commander. It's good in a lot of other decks. It's kind of where you want to be, I think, um, when it comes to like these are flexible cards. Yeah, very, very cool. Legends. I think it'll be a fun deck. I, I, yeah. It's not going to be like crazy powerful or whatever, but Thank it's going to do some cool stuff. Big splashy, lots of creatures out all, out of nowhere type of deal. Yep. All right, let's talk about the next one. And spoiler alert: in the extra turns episode, Ooh. we talked about uh, earlier featuring the new um, cards from Commander Legends, and that's going to be out. Uh, I don't want to give an exact date, but it's around like the end of November. And around of when Commander Legends is coming out as well. Yeah. Um, this is going to be one of the commanders played in that game. It's Gen Arcanum Weaver, a red, a white and a black so three mana for a two three legendary human wizard it's, it's got an activated ability which is you pay mardu uh, that's red white and black <laughs> and tap again and you sacrifice an enchantment so pretty hefty cost yep three mana tap and sacrifice an enchantment and then you return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh my goodness! Wait, what? This is good. Yeah, this is just great, actually. I mean, we've any time we've seen effects like these where it brings things directly onto the battlefield, it's going to be powerful because that can be cheating of mana cost, right? Whatever you're sacking yep. costs a lot less plus the three mana into again than whatever you're bringing back. Look how good Goblin Welder is when it yep. comes to doing this with artifacts. I don't think Mardu has had really this kind of ability before for enchantments specifically. Yeah, Mardu enchantments I don't think is really a archetype that we've seen, right? Like we don't... That's just not... I don't even know if there's a deck that really I would call Mardu enchantments yeah. at this point. There's, there's Mardu decks, but... Usually they're not enchantment decks. I can't really think of any. So The important I, thing, though, is that you've got red in here, which means you can ditch cards to the graveyard. Easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, black helps you a lot there, too. Yeah, for sure. To get things into the graveyard. Yeah, I like... You know, obviously, you're going to put, like, the white enchantress stuff, the normal stuff. But the fact that it's red and black means you're going to play a bunch of cards that probably aren't as common in enchantment-type decks, because those are usually banned. So you usually <laughs> got green and blue instead right. of these two colors. So I think that's... It's cool. It opens up some doors to... 
for some enchantments that we don't see as much to maybe, you know, have some fun, I guess. So In terms of, because we're going to be mentioning this a lot, Wizards is obviously pushing these cards in different directions. I think this and what Thalisi was, these are good directions to me. This feels like, and ah, good cool. power levels. Like, this yeah. doesn't feel insane or anything, but I think you can do really cool stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you. I like the design of both of those cards. So, you're obviously going to want big, splashy enchantments. Oh, yes. So, Jimmy, that's one of your favorites. Yeah, Sunbird's Invocation... Uh, well, it was my favorite until I played on Game Nights, and then it quickly did not become my favorite. It, <laughs> it relies it, on luck, so I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes, you know yeah, what? Actually, true. I just don't have When the cameras luck. aren't on, your luck is really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, it's so five and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a spell from your hand, reveal the top X cards of your library, where X is that spell's converted mana cost, and you may cast a card revealed this way without with converted mana cost, X or less, without paying its mana cost. It's kind of so. cascady. Yeah, it's Cascady, but it's a six-man enchantment. It's so hard to play this in any games for me because you have to play this and then another spell to make it work. But Gen's going to be able to get it out pretty easily. Yeah, if Gen can cheat it out, it's pretty awesome. Uh, another enchantment you might want to cheat out with Gen is Eldrazi Conscription. It's eight mana for an enchantment, uh, Eldrazi Aura. And it chants a creature, and that creature gets plus 10, plus 10, and an Annihilator 2. So this is a great way. And you could do this, like, at instant speed. Oh, right. With Gen, you need the attack trigger, so you, instant speed's not super helpful, but it still allows you to... You well, let's know, say you play a creature that doesn't have haste. Wait till the end step. Boom, boom. Put it on yeah. and then untap. And now you're ready to really put the hurt on somebody. Yeah. Uh, or you Talk could... about putting the hurt on someone. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you want to talk about hurting someone. How about overwhelming them with a bunch of splendor? This is normally a six white, white, eight mana enchantment or a curse. You enchant a player and creatures enchanted player controls loses all abilities and have base power and toughness one, one. And then enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. Rough. It generally just says the player you enchanted cannot win the game yeah they quickly are going to lose the game now uh it's that's disgusting because it's eight mana typically you're not really seeing this get played unless you're cheating it out well and also gen interestingly gets around things like counter spells Mm -hmm. so if you can dump it in the bin and it's there ah yeah all of a sudden like you can really get a player that is thinks they're ready for anything with their Mm -hmm. counter spells and you're like well this is an activated ability so unless it's a stifle you know i'm not casting the overwhelming splendor i am yeah so that's pretty interesting of course we're gonna want like small enchantments because yes. what you want to do is have an enchantment that doesn't cost a lot, that gives you some value, and then you cash that in with Gen for one of the big enchantments in your graveyard later. So land tax is a great one, right? Because oh, yeah. after you've drawn like nine cards off land tax, it's really not that helpful to you. Nine cards is awesome. It's worth playing just for that. But it wouldn't be great if then later I turn the land tax into an Eldrazi conscription, you know? Yeah, but at a certain point, land tax will stop triggering. Um, or it just won't be useful to you that it is, right? Yeah, or you'll run out of basics. Yeah. And white is getting a little bit of help, too, in terms of catching up to land. So that makes land tax, it doesn't make it worse, but it just makes it a little less effective, I think, in the long game for a lot of these white decks that don't have traditional ramp. Yeah, Curse of Opulence is another card that's like pretty good early, but later on in the game, people aren't as worried about one treasure here and there. And so cashing that in yeah. and turning it into a big enchantment is pretty cool. Um, like you said, Jimmy, getting the important cards into the bin is important. Black can help you because they have things like Entomb, yep. which... I always thought, for a long time anyway, I thought Entomb could only go and find a creature, but it can find any card. So it's one black for an instant. Search your library for a card and put that card into your graveyard and then shuffle your library. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, and if you have this in your hand too, on your end step, you don't look scary because people will be like, what's in your graveyard? Okay, that's not too scary. (laughs) And then you go, boom, Entomb, put something awesome in there, activate again, get it out. And they're like, crap. Yeah, instant speed on Entomb, really good. Buried Alive is the creature one right yeah 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 so i think the really interesting thing though with gen is 
because not only does it bring enchantments back, it gets rid of enchantments you have, and especially mm. black has a bunch of enchantments that you really don't want to have for very long. Yeah. Demonic Pact is a really funny one. It's th two black black for an enchantment. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you choose one that hasn't been chosen. So there are four options. I'll just start and say that the final option is you lose the game. So typically you want to you don't want this around by that point. But the other options are great. You draw two cards, target opponent discards two cards, Demonic Pact deals four damage to target creature or player, and you gain four life. So it's a removal spell, it's a card draw spell, it's a discard spell, and then it's a lose the game spell. However, with Gen Out, you're not going to have to worry about that. Yeah, you draw the cards, make somebody discard, and then you go, all right, now I'm done with it. I'm, I don't want to lose the game, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and turn it into a Sunburns Invocation. That seems pretty great. Yeah, it seems really good. There's Liliana's Contract, which is three black black for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you draw four Four cards and lose four life wow and then it says at the beginning of your upkeep if you control four or more demons with different names you win the game you're not going to have those demons in this deck so after it's out there it drew the cards and it's just sitting there as fodder for again to turn into a better enchantment and five mana four cards in, in mardu that's that's a good deal yep yeah, that's a very good rate there's a new card called Demonic Lore, which does a sort of similar thing. Ah, yes. Uh, there's Mana Flare, which is, again, a card that if you can control the terms of it, right? If you can, That's why Goblin Welder is so good is because you can be like, I don't need this until my turn. So Mana Flare is two in a red for an enchantment. Whenever, whenever either player or any player taps their land for mana, each land produces one extra mana. So it's basically doubling mana up. But you can have it in a way that Josh's end step, I use Gen, get this out. My turn, I blah, 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 and then I tap it to get rid of the mana flare and replace it with something else. Exactly. Just Very double tricky. my mana for my turn. And you don't lose the value. It's not like High Tide where it costs you a card, right? Right. You turn it into a different enchantment, so you still have a card's worth of value from it sitting there on the table, but you just doubled your mana for a turn. And then... You can maybe do that again, right? Because mm -hmm. it's still sitting in your graveyard. You sacked it. So it's the kind of card that you can kind of cycle in and out when it's advantageous for you. And I think Gen can really do stuff like that. Honestly, you only need like one or two turns with a Mana Flare type card to establish to win. To win. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you're so. like, I get 20 mana for a turn. That's usually enough to, like, <laughs> yeah, put you in an overwhelming position. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, Underworld Breach is a really good card for this. Oh, it's an yeah. enchantment for one in a red. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, plus you exile three other cards from your graveyard. And then at the beginning of your end step, you sacrifice Underworld Breach. So, oh, no. Yeah, so what you do is play this, play a couple of cards out of your graveyard um, with escape, and then activate again, get rid of Underworld Breach, because you're going to sack it anyway, and turn that into a big, cool... Um, enchantment. Yep. And then, of course, you can make your enchantments a little scarier with cards like Opalescence and Starfield of Nyx. Uh, I just, everyone should just go watch that Melissa Detour Game Nights episode again to watch a masterclass in how to manipulate enchantments on the board to do what you want. Um, so Starfield of Nyx lets you return enchantments from your graveyard to the battlefield, which is great. Yeah, every upkeep. Right. And then as long as you control five or more enchantments, each other non-aura is a creature that has power and toughness equal to its CMC. So that might not always trigger, but this is great just to be able to get other enchantments out of your graveyard for free. Well, and then know? eventually you do that long enough, they will all turn into creatures. Yeah, but let's say it's again like turn three or four, you put Starfield of Nyx out because you replace a Curse of Opulence with it, and then you get an Overwhelming Splendor, and then you can switch to Starfield for something else, or you have another enchantment to switch out. And Opalescence is basically the second half of Starfield where it turns uh, each other global enchantment into a power and creature toughness equal to its CMC. Yeah, that's the way a lot of enchantment decks try and win, which is turn all my enchantments into creatures because I got so many and... Smack ya. And smack ya. And the problem with those two cards is that in a lot of enchantment decks, they're pretty reticent to play them because it opens them up to, removal. to mass removal. Yeah. Gen can kind of 
mitigate that by saying, I'm going to play Opalescence, I'm going to attack, but I'm going to hold enough mana open so that if something weird, crazy happens where you're going to be able to kill all creatures, I'll sacrifice that enchantment, turn all my enchantments into not creatures anymore so they mm-hmm. don't die to your wrath effect. That's actually exactly what Melissa Detour did. Yep. To, to to fade some removal, which yep. is pretty awesome. Yep, or of silence. Um, I remember very well. Yeah, I was going to win that game. <laughs> All right, uh, and then of course, replenish is a card that would go in decks like this, which is just a sorcery for three and a white for return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, it's the it's like the best recursion type thing. And then of course, they're enchant- returns all of them. Yeah, all. <laughs> and there's a lot of enchantment creatures out there as well. Don't forget, uh, you have the bestowed creatures from Nyx, Journey Doomwake Giants is a good one. Yeah, and so just just look those up. I think but, those are pretty cool commander. Yeah, it, I, uh, mostly because of the color. It's, it's Mardu. Yeah, it's because of the colors it's in. It's like all of a sudden, all these red and black enchantments yeah. that really haven't had a great home. They can do some cool stuff in this deck. It reminds me a little bit of like Alesha because Alesha, I think, also opened up a lot of people's eyes into the wow, Mardu can do this. That seems pretty tricky, pretty right. comboy, pretty combotastic. All right, last card before the break here. It's actually our preview card. It's Kolfenor, the last you. What happened to Kolfenor, the last me? It's three in Abzan. It should be an eject button in this chair, so I just rock it out of here every time I make a bad joke. All right, it's three in Abzan, so three white, black, and green for a legendary creature, Treefolk Shaman, 3-7, with vigilance and reach. Whenever Kolfenor or another creature you control dies, return up to one other target creature card with lesser toughness from your graveyard to your hand. Now, in our preview card episode, which I believe is out, uh, we talked a lot about just, you know, butts matter and all this stuff, but Josh, you actually found a much more interesting route to go with this. I think this card's quite powerful. <laughs> wait, wait, get it. Root? Root. Haha. <laughs> Did not mean to do that like purpose. Like you, Y-E-U, yeah. Y-E-W. I mean, uh, so... We're not going to go over the whole thing here. If you really want to go dive deep on Kolfenor, we did an episode that's mostly about this card. Yeah. We did talk about our other, our other preview cards, but it's like 90% about Kolfenor. <laughs> uh, the the real, I think, key to this card is um, creatures that have a higher toughness on the battlefield than they do in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So that when you sack them, you can always get the other ones back, but then you play them. And so you do that with like creatures that have X in their cost, like Endless One, Hangerback Walker, Walking Ballista. These are all cards that mm-hmm. are technically zero zeros in your graveyard, so you can always get them back when a creature dies, yep. but they're bigger on the battlefield. And then you want to combine that with Anthem effects that pump uh, the toughness and or power, but you really not Sorry, not and or power. They can pump, pump. power, but you don't <laughs> care. You want to make sure that they buff uh, toughness. Yeah, the power doesn't affect the ability. Right. The toughness is the one that matters. So you can have a regular plus one, plus one anthem, or like Leyline of Vitality, which is just plus zero, plus one. Right, and either of those make your creature on the battlefield have greater toughness than it does when it's in the graveyard and allows you to like play a 1-1, one, one, sack it, and get back something that's technically a 1-1, one, one, but you're going to play right. it, and it's really going to be a 1-3 a or a 2-3. Yeah, so with like a Blood Artist, and you have Hangerback Walker and Endless One, they're both X, X, X cost zero zeros. You have something that gives them all plus zero, plus one. You can play it for zero mana, and then when you sacrifice it, it's going to go to the graveyard, see a zero, zero in there, you return that to your hand. You play that, it's a zero, one for zero mana. You can sack that, and you can just sort of get that infinite loop going immediately. Yep, pretty interesting. Uh, and so you want, obviously, sack outlets. And then you're going to win with the normal aristocrat stuff, which is, uh, like you said, Zulaport, Blood Artist, Bastion of Remembrance, blah, blah, blah. It's a party. It's a party with a bunch of aristocrats all saying, yeah. oh, 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 cheers. Cruel <laughs> <laughs> Celebrant is also one of those cards. You're not invited to this party. <laughs> I mean, I feel like aristocrats has gone so many toys over the years. And so many decks are aristocrats decks. It, I think Murph was saying that like most of the last 10 episodes of Game Nights, there's at least like what? one yeah. aristocrats style deck or one that's at least partially aristocrats uh, at the table like every time. It's a very popular uh 
popular archetype. Yeah. archetype yeah shout out to kathleen from living ready run who loves aristocrats yeah all right uh we didn't mean to say you're not invited to the party. You're definitely going to be invited to the party. And there's more party coming right up, but we're going to take a quick break first and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back talking about Commander Legends Part 1, non-partner Commander Legends and Commander Legends cards that don't go in the 99, that could potentially go in the 99, but they're also just solo commanders. Solo commanders, I think, is what we'll call them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Okay, we are on to blue-red now. We also should mention that with the color pairings, because there are always two of each, one of them is uncommon and one of them is rare. So the uncommon ones, I think, we'll find have generally a lower power level. And this is the not uncommon always, one. But yeah. yeah, not always. Uh, this is the uncommon one for blue and red. It's Captain Vargas Wrath. Kind of looks like an orc from World of, World of Warcraft. Um, it's blue and red for a 1-1 legendary creature orc pirate. Whenever Captain Vargas Wrath attacks, pirates you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Um, not terribly interesting we will note that there are a lot of pirates in commander legends so One of the it, is it the blue red theme for yeah. draft right it's definitely the draft archetype um i could see this being a really good commander in that deck if you were to go super aggro the when only- they design draft too a lot of the ways they design draft is that a lot of the payoff cards for each archetype are at uncommon right so this right. seems more like a draft card honestly yeah the only thing that's interesting here is the for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game so it's probably a good chance for us to mention that there are cards that say this in the past uh that are really good especially with commander we'll talk about later like rogue rock who costs zero mana to play um and i think you also want to like 
Captain Vargas maybe goes in a deck that has a couple of low-cost partners. Yeah. Because it counts each time you've cast a commander from the command zone. So if you cast each partner once, that's twice. Whereas casting the same commander twice will cost you a lot more mana because commander tax. Yep. So... Yeah, it seems like that might be a, a deck where your goal is to cast your commanders, a partner commanders, a bunch and get some sort of advantages that way. Yeah, and if you do do that, there's a cycle of these storm cards. There's Fury Storm and Echo Storm, which are the blue and red ones. Uh, Fury Storm is copying target instants or sorceries, but you copy it for each time you've cast your commander from the commands on this game. So there maybe is an archetype somewhere to get your commander out of the bunch, sack it, play the bunch, do something interesting. Maybe even like an Elisa deck because you don't have to pay the commander tax. Yeah, and, and if Vargas is Captain Vargas is in the um, 99, then maybe you can add a couple of other colors with the partners you're using yeah. and, you know, get some of the other Commander Storm cards. You know, little known fact uh, about this card is his first name is Louis Scott. <laughs> Louis Scott, Captain Louis Scott Vargas, <laughs> colon, Wrath. <laughs> Wrath edition, limited edition. All right, uh, the rare is it Commander is Zara, Renegade Recruiter. This one's... A lot more fun, I think. Yeah, this one's real spicy. Three blue, red, so five mana for a legendary human pirate. Four, three with flying, though. Whenever Zara attacks, look at defending player's hand. You may put a creature card from it onto the battlefield under your control, tapped and attacking that player or a planeswalker they control. Return that creature to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Hmm. So you're stealing cards out of other people's hands, very pirate status, but not just that, you're doing the thing where you active aggression them and they're like, I'm going to swing for you now. Yeah, you steal it out of their hand and it's tapped and attacking them. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of turn, it goes back to their hand. Right. Um, so it's cheating of mana cost in a way. It's really interesting. You know, you'll have to sort of be guessing who's got what when you go to attack with Zara. Of course, you don't always have to guess. There are cards yeah. which will allow you to look at other players' hands, and I think that's kind of the first category of card that this deck will want. Yeah, there's Telepathy, a Craig Blanchett favorite. It's just a blue enchantment for blue that says your opponents play with their hands revealed. This also happens to slow down the game significantly. Too much information. Everyone's yeah, got to think way more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, should I do this? Well, there's three hands to think about now. Yeah, it's like, wait, hold on, I'm thinking of doing something. What do you have in your hand again? How about you? What do you have? Yeah. But still, that, I mean, with Zara, you'll know exactly who to attack and who's got the best stuff. Yeah, if you have the glasses of Urza, a much older card, you just tap the artifact and you get to look at target player's hands so you don't have to show everyone. Right. But more importantly, let's find a, let's think about ways that we get to keep these cards around, which I think is great, or use the cards in an interesting way. Um, Sundial of the Infinite has just been a card that we've mentioned, I don't know, a thousand times on the show now. It has an activated ability where you pay one and tap it to end the turn. So you exile spells and abilities from the stack, you do your end of turn stacks, and then uh, the until end of turn effects end. So the Zara Renegade Recruiter creature you steal sticks with you forever. Yeah, so you're looking for with Sundial of the Infinite, we're going to talk about this more later for another commander, but mm -hmm. things that say at the beginning of the next end step. Because if you end the turn before you go to your end step, those triggers... Oh, sorry. You have to end the turn Don't after you go to the end step. So you go to end step, that trigger goes onto the stack, and then in response to the trigger before it resolves, you tap the sundial and end the turn. And, and so now... You exile you, spells and abilities from the stack. So effectively, whatever creature you took out of their hand, you just keep it now forever because yep. Zara won't trigger again and say, hey, 
she says what she, what Zara sees is like I triggered. I tried to put it back in their hand and something stopped me. I'm not going to trigger again. I just keep that thing now. Yeah, the creature never returns. The ability goes away. This is also great if someone does like an end step spell on like instant. They cast to secure the way so you can use Sundial to stop it basically, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's only during your turn. I'm so sorry. Yeah, they would have yeah, to do yeah. it on your end step, but that happens sometimes. Yeah. Usually if Sundial's out, they won't do this stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of just stops that entirely. Um, so that's a way to keep the creatures you're stealing forever. Obviously, if you have other people's creatures, then you really don't want to give them back, right? Mm-hmm. Fling them away. Uh, a One of my favorite things to do, you either have a, a sacrifice outlet like a Goblin Bombardment or Fling, which are cards that allow you to sacrifice a creature and do something with it. Either damage, add mana, whatever it is. Lots of sack outlets out there. This definitely is the meaner thing to do. Attack someone, steal their best thing that they're going to do something amazing with, and then wreck them. Sometimes people, when their commanders get bounced too, they'll put it in their hand instead of the command zone so you could steal a commander potentially. They're not doing that if your plans are though. Yeah, they gotta put it back in the command zone. Yeah, Yeah, I think this deck's gonna play the altars and stuff like Goblin Bombardment and things like Fling and, you know, because why give that creature back to them? Now, instead of just stealing the creature out of their hand and smacking them with it, maybe getting an Enter the Battlefield effect or something, you are also effectively making them discard that card because you're gonna sack it and you're gonna get some other sort of effect, a little bit of mana, do some Mm -hmm. Extra damage. Um, maybe it has a dies effect too, so you might want to get that uh, when it dies effect. So I think that's a pretty effective way. Jimmy, this also seems really good in one of your favorite decks. Yeah, it's Marchesa. Now Marchesa says the when, Black Rose, the Black Rose. Sorry, the the original Grixis one. However, Marchesa does say that you need to have a creature attack someone for the dethrone trick. They get a plus one plus one counter on it. But if you have Zara out and you have a way, I think there's only one way right now to get an instant speed plus one plus one counter on the creature. You can do the whole Marchesa thing where Marchesa and where Marchesa is out. Zara swings, steals a creature. You put a plus and plus one counter on it. You sack it, and Marchesa brings that creature back to you at the end step. So you sack under the, your control, not under your control. control. Yeah. yeah. So which is great because you get to keep the creature. You skip the entire uh, trigger where it tries to return the creature back to its owner's hand because by the time it's dead, it doesn't see the creature anymore. So I could see this working in the Marchesa deck. If not, even if you can't get the creature back, this deck has tons of sack outlets, and Zara just seems like a really good fit in there. You don't have to add the counter at instant speed because you do have the time after uh, your combat right. phase. You're right. Yeah, so you can do it at sorcery speed because your second uh, main phase you can. Or if you add play extra turn spells, you untap yeah. everything, attack again with those creatures, and then they'll get the dethrone trigger. Well, no, extra combat steps, but extra yeah. turns would trigger an end step, so it would yeah, still yeah, go back sorry, to extra end. combat steps. Yeah. Um, there's also things like Strionic Resonator and the new Lithoform Engine, which will <laughs> allow you to double Zara's trigger, steal two creatures out uh, of their hand and swing with them. That seems pretty good. Wow. Also, if you have an altar or something, that's two cards they effectively discard when you do that. Seems pretty brutal. Yeah, this seems really brutal. This is reaching a Send Triplets level of people it's not, will not quite like as you. bad because you do have to get off an attack. <laughs> and also, like... Most of the time, you can only steal one thing, where a send triplet's like, hey, your entire hand is open to me now. But yeah. yes, it's definitely like leaning towards send triplets, I'd say. Yeah, people don't like it when that happens. Um, and of course, there are a lot of ways to double up the value you get from Zara. Flame Shell Conjuring is a card that doesn't really see that much play, but it allows you to pay red whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, and you can create a copy, and that token gains haste. Um, however, it does get exiled to the next end step, so you want a Sundell of the Infinite. Um, and... Or, or I think just enter the battlefield effects. You know, I yeah. think the most common thing Zara is going to do for you is you attack, look at their hands, and like it's pretty rare that somebody has a Blightsteel Colossus in their hand. More likely, they've got a Solemn Simulacrum, a Reclamation Sage, something of that, you know, an Eternal Witness, because those are the kind of cards that are just 
more Always. prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. So you're likely to get something like that, which is great because now it's like, oh, Zara doesn't cost you any mana to do her effect. So one red is likely to be open for you. And right. then you're just like, hey, I get two Eternal Witness triggers and I don't really care what happens after that. Pretty good. Um, another thing you can do when you get those creatures, knowing that they might have to return to their owner's hand, is clone them. So as long as they're not legendary, you can use... Fantasy. No, no, you want them to be legendary. Oh, I see. Actually, that's a good point. If they are legendary, then even better. Because when you create the clone, you get to choose which legendary copy to create, and that's almost like a sack outlet for their creature. Yeah, so clones are great too because there's a lot of good clones, but they say you can only clone creatures you control. Yeah. And they have other abilities, like you, you can flash them back or whatever because of that, but that's usually not as good because you want to be able to pick from the best creature on the board, but this mm-hmm. is a way to clone your opponent's creature. Phantasmal Image doesn't have that clause, but it's just two mana. So yeah, that's you, an insane clone. Yeah, you get their awesome thing, make a clone of it, maybe sack it if it's legendary, uh, and now you have the copy of it. And then there's a really interesting one, um, Renegade Doppelganger. This is one and a blue for an 01 shapeshifter, but it says whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Renegade Doppelganger become a copy of that creature until end of turn. Mm. I love this one because with like Phantasmal Image, you have to attack with Zara, get a good creature out of their hand. It's tapped in attacking them. It has to survive that combat. Right. And then in your second main, you clone it. This one, Renegade Doppelganger, you attack with it and Zara and then pick a cool creature out of their hand and then the Renegade Doppelganger is still attacking and becomes that thing. And, you know, if it's not legendary, you maybe have two awesome things attacking them. You don't get enter the battlefields and stuff like that this way, but it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, notably the creature you steal with Zara does have to keep attacking the same person. So let's say it's like, a I don't know, Steve. It's a 1-1 or something. It's like, ah, it's not going to survive the combat. But with the Renegade Doppelganger, you'll make sure that you get a copy of it because it changes into it. You don't even have to swing with the Renegade Doppelganger. Maybe it has a cool activated ability that you want. Who knows? Uh, And then there's the ability to blink and keep things forever. (laughs) And most of these blink cards target only creatures you control. Yeah. And then they return. It's because in the old wording, they didn't say uh, return to the battlefield under owner's control. They said return to the battlefield under your control, kind of like Marchesa. Yeah. And so like Ghostly Flicker is a really good way to keep the creature forever because you attack with Zara, get the trigger, steal a card out of their hand, it hits them for some damage, and then you say Ghostly Flicker, which is two and a blue for an instant, exile two target artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under your control. Woo! Because they've exiled and come back, they're considered new permanents, so that Zara trigger to return that creature to your opponent's hand is no longer there because it doesn't think the permanent's the same anymore, and so you just keep their creature forever. Yeah, because, again, when it leaves the battlefield and comes back, the Zar will look for it, be like, where'd it go? Like, well, it's not here anymore, even though that same creature's on your battlefield. Yep. Pretty uh, neat. And then the same thing goes for Dead Eye Navigator. Yeah. Just soul, soul Bond the creatures. Yeah, Soul Bond only really works with creatures you control, but because you are taking their creature momentarily and controlling it, then you blink it with Dead Eye Navigator and just keep it forever. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> Yeah, so Zara seems like a lot of fun, especially for an Izzet build. It's about stealing creatures and doing so in an attacky setting, but you can build a lot around it, so I like the design of this card. Yeah, and I think you use a lot of like threaten effects and things too, because most of those will also work yeah. with like the ghostly flicker stuff and the you know and the dead eye and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that deck would actually be pretty fun, but it's it's not going to be super powerful because it relies on your opponents having creatures in their deck. Yeah, which is usually a pretty good thing to rely on. Um, but there will be cases when one, maybe even two players, just don't have a creature heavy deck. Uh, yeah. In which case, you're just targeting one person, and then you're kind of laying those stormy players go off or do whatever they're doing. 
uh, yeah, it's it is a little unfortunate. You have to attack the player you stole the creature from too. So like, you, if somebody's playing it's like a, a spell deck, yeah. you're just like, well, I can't attack you, and then I'm kind of never attacking you, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't steal anything from you. I'm not going to get value. Yeah, make a lot of enemies with that with that deck probably. Okay, moving on. Speaking of blue and red, it pairs up with two three color pairings here. We have first up Teamer, and this is Averna, the Chaos Bloom which I think actually looks more impressive than it actually is. Uh, It's green, blue, and a red for a 4-2 legendary creature elemental shaman. As you cascade, you may put a land card from among the exiled cards onto the battlefield tapped. And it says, do this after the last card is exiled, but before deciding whether to cast a non-land card. So when you cast a card with uh, with cascade, let's say it's Maelstrom Wanderer. Uh, That's a little little confusing. Let's just say any creature with cascade in them. You start flipping cards from the top of your library until you find a card with CMC uh, that costs less, a non-land card. And then you're able to cast that card for free. So Averna says, do all that, find the card, get to there, and then you can choose, do I want to put a land on the battlefield? And then you choose if you want to cast the the card that you cascaded in to. You have to have flipped a land too. So let's say right. that you cast like a three CMC. Let's say you cast like a Shardless Agent. It's going to cascade on cast. So you're going to flip cards off the top of your library until you hit something that's two CMC or less. If you just, the first card is a Signet, you have you'll, to, you'll cast yeah. that with Cascade, but no land was flipped on the Cascade. So you won't put a land into play. Right. So you have to have flipped a few cards and hopefully gotten some lands in there before you found a Cascade target. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to get you a land every single time. I think a lot of people are assuming that it will. It's, it, it can get you a land a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it's so pretty likely. Um, and the only problem is, though, is that there, Cascade isn't a very common mechanic. And before Commander Legends, there were only eight Cascade cards in the team or colors. Um, wow, and it? Yeah, well, I mean, the, it's because we all just think of Maelstrom Wanderer, which yeah. is the big cascade, the double cascades on cast and eight mana, massive spell, or Yidris Maelstrom Wielder, which is really good with Infect, as you know. Um, so I you think know. like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, I mean, prior to this set, there's not too much cascade stuff. So I think Averna looks a little more cool on its front than it actually is. But getting two cards off a of cascade is a pretty darn good value. It's interesting because Averna doesn't actually give you the ability to cascade more either. You have to cast cards that have cascade. It's cascade tribal kind of, but it doesn't like provide the cascade part of it. So if, man, there's only, well, there's more in Commander Legends. So we're well past eight, but still that's, I find it hard to believe you're going to have 25 cards in your deck that have cascade on it then. Maybe you can get, there's other cards that give your cards cascade. So, you know, maybe you're building it to help hopefully find those cards Mm -hmm. to really get this going. I think you put this card into the Maelstrom Wanderer or Yidris deck. I don't think this is your commander just because, you know, you want to have a guaranteed able way to cascade. And this is just like a cherry on top. Oh, you also get a land. But you're in green, blue, and red. So you're going to be able to ramp out with green anyway. So that's why I think just on its face, it's not that amazing. Plus, you might not get a land sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the cascade cards, though, that do exist since, you know, I think I, I do think cascade tribal as a deck could be an interesting build with this at the helm. Yeah, I, I would say definitely look through the Commander Legends cards and start seeing which ones are interesting in these colors. Otherwise, the one that people are all like, ooh, finally, this card's better, is Throws of Chaos, which is just three in a red for a sorcery that says Cascade. Uh, but it also has Retrace, so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its other costs. So there might be a world where you keep a land in your hand, knowing that when you play Throws of Chaos, there's a good chance to hit a land, and then you can Retrace, discard that land, 
cascade again and cast this again. So Averna just makes this card actually not as bad as it looks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the play pattern with Throws of Chaos, if you know you have it, is you actually want to hold a couple of lands yeah. and not play them, and you're going to rely on the cascade to get you the lands. That seems pretty cool. I think um, if you were to build around this deck, though, you just want landfall. Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. You want 45 lands in this deck, right? Because you really want to hit a land every time you cascade with something. Yeah. So it's as many cascade cards or cascade granters as you can get. And then a bunch of lands, and then you're going to try and win with, you know, some some of the heavy-hitting landfall cards, right? Yep. So there's a bunch, a lot of the Omnaths care about landfall, obviously, and they fit within these colors. Morag, Fury of Akum, gives you extra combat steps. So a huge turn would be have haste on the battlefield, play a massive spell, you cascade into lands. If it's Males from Wander, you cascade into two lands, you get two extra combat steps. Oh, Males from Wander can get you two lands all by itself? Yeah. Yeah, because it cascades <laughs> twice? That's cool. Uh, there's Phylath World Sculpture, which I played on game nights, Scoot Swarm. So there's a lot of really good landfall things. I think this deck is all about getting just team or beat down, getting haste on creatures, cascading, and having one of those turns where everyone goes, uh, that's 40 damage, uh, we're all dead. Yeah, good landfall cards are not hard to find. It's going to be hard to find the good cascade cards right yes and have a and to have a nice balance of both yeah um team or saber tooth we have on the list here as a card you might play in this deck it's two green green for a four three but it has an activated ability one in green you may return another creature you control to its owner's hand if you do team or saber tooth gains indestructible until end of turn this is a way to bounce a creature that has cascade to be able to replay it to trigger yeah. averna again to just because i think you're right I'm I was surprised by how few cascade cards there were and if you know tell commander legends yeah yeah but even then there's not going to be 12 or 15 awesome cascade yes, exactly. cards in, you're already kind of digging yeah through just to be like so if you've got good 15 cascade cards you're going to want to be able to reuse the really good ones yeah. and so team or saber truth can maybe give you the ability to do that good old crystal shard as well um as we've seen before just get value more value. There is that new card, that Apex uh, yeah. Devastator that cascades, what, four times? Yeah, so you could get four lands off it. Ay. Well, I mean, also, you're going to get four things. Yeah, I mean, if you have a Sensei's Divining Top, too, this could be oh really good. Gosh. Activate it so you sort that there's always a land, you know, just in case you're not going to hit things correctly. It's a bajillion mana, but you are cascading into lands and ramping that way because it yeah. does put him into play. So, yeah. The, yeah. I want to see somebody pull that off. Not against me. You know, like, like I want somebody to send me a, a Twitter picture of, of it. <laughs> so it's not happening to me. Yeah, that seems kind of nutty. All right. Uh, the next one, near and dear to my heart. So we haven't talked about it yet, but um, when you were in New Zealand shooting Mulan. Yeah. Um, and we've alluded to the fact that I have drafted this set a couple years ago. What happened is um, Wizards invited me out to uh, kind of visit their offices. And while I was there, they let me draft Commander Legends. This is late. 2018 mm -hmm. um apparently this set's been in development for like five six years yeah so yeah they they sort of knew it was coming out in 2020 but i don't think they had an exact date at that point but it was in a pretty good spot and i was able to draft it and then as a result um of doing that they asked be, they asked some of us here at the command zone to kind of help them with some play testing so they allowed us to see some of the early designs of the cards and they wanted us to build some decks and play some games and then give them some feedback. Mm -hmm. They're always looking for feedback that's sort of outside what they call their biodome because they're very aware that like they're pretty insulated with only yeah. the few people in there and so they're always looking for outside perspective. So we had a fun opportunity to kind of give a little bit of feedback on this set um, very early on. A lot of things have changed obviously in two years but this next commander we're about to talk about uh, as a result I built this deck like two years ago <laughs> And uh, I'm also playing this deck on the next episode of Extra Turns, not Game Nights. I'm playing a different deck on Game Nights. Um, 
And this was the commander when I saw the set where I was like, oh man, I hope they don't change that one. I hope it, it makes it to the final uh, version, uh, version yeah. of the set. And it did. It's Obeka, Brute Chronologist. It's one blue, black, red. So one in Grixis for a 3-4 legendary ogre wizard and has an activated ability. You can tap Obeka and it says the player whose turn it is may end the turn. Wow. So, so similar to Sundial of the Infinite. However, this can happen to any player on any turn. Right. So again, you exile all spells and abilities from the stack. The player whose turn it is discards down to their maximum hand size. Damage wears off and this turn and until end of turn effects end. Yeah. It, it's interesting wording because Sundial, you end the turn, but you can only do that on your turn. Right. This you can do on other players' turn, but it gives the player whose turn it is the choice to end the turn. So you can't just be like, it's during Jimmy's turn. I tap Obeka and be like, I end your turn, Jimmy. I go, well, it's a May ability, and I decide no. Yeah, what it does is it asks the player whose turn it is. So instead, I would tap Obeka and be like, Jimmy, would you like to end your turn? And I'd be like, no. And you're like, ah, oh, crud. Well, I guess Obeka's tapped. <laughs> you might want to, though. Let's say you did a big attack, and they go Cyclonic Rift. And I'm like, well, I can end the turn, yep. and the Cyclonic Rift won't happen. I mean, you won't get the rest of your turn, but all your stuff won't get bounced, and neither will mine. And in that case, you might be like, yeah, okay, let's end that turn. Yeah, or someone casts a huge counter spell or does something else to you on your end step. You can be like, hold up. And so this actually does what I was talking about with Sundell earlier, which is it allows you to really fully disrupt the full turn cycle at least once. When Obek is out, because pl having played the deck a number of times, it really does kind of screw up what people can do and how they have to play because mm -hmm. they are like kind of guessing, well, if I do this thing on the end step of that person's turn, which I would normally do, well, crack my fetch land even. Oh, jeez. You know, well, he, they team up with Josh to just screw me. Yeah, and that's rough. The answer a lot of times is, is yes. So you can't, you don't really want to hold up and crack fetch lands on other people's turns. You want to do it on your turn because if you crack a fetch land during your turn and I go, do you want to end the turn? You go, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and resolve that trigger. Yeah. Thank you very much. Really sucky. Uh, Obeka is interesting, though. I really like how this plays out. However, without untappers, you can only do this once per yeah. turn cycle. So that's another thing to be con in consideration of, too. And so maybe you do things a little earlier. You know, maybe you do crack a little fetch line during, you know, someone or wait until someone else gets Obeka'd out. Yeah. Wait till Obeka's tapped or something to do stuff. Yeah. All right. But Obeka also like makes a lot of cards really good. And like we said with Sundial of the Infinite earlier, what you're looking for is effects that uh, trigger at the beginning of the next end step. Because mm. those are the ones where you wait till that trigger goes on the stack and then you activate Obeka and then, you know, you don't have to deal with that trigger again. So a lot of times you get to like keep things forever that were supposed to be sacrificed and things like that. Yeah. The best card in the deck, I'm pretty sure, Jimmy, and I'll let you read it because it's your uh -huh. favorite card. It's Sneak Attack. It's one of my favorite cards. Three and a red for an enchantment. Very important text here. If you can pay a red, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Sacrifice the creature at the beginning of the next end step. This effectively with Obeka out lets you put all your creatures into play for one red mana each and keep them forever because yeah. you wait until the end step, trigger goes on the stack, sneak, sneak attack says, okay, now you got to sacrifice that creature. And Obeka goes, I'll just end the turn. Then Thumbs I don't up. have to sack it. And now yeah. I get to keep it. So you play a lot of like big, scary, Jingataxius, Blightsteel Colossus type stuff in the deck. Not too many, because you don't want them stuck in your hand if you mm -hmm. don't have Sneak Attack. But Sneak Attack, if you ever get it out in this deck, is nutso. Because you have these turns where you just go, pay three red mana, put Jingataxius, Blightsteel <laughs> Colossus, and, you know, shield it out. With haste, attack, end the turn, keep them all. Like, that's a nutso turn that you effectively just cast, like, 20-something mana worth of stuff. What if you took some extra turns while you're at it? Yeah, so this is the other class of cards that Red has, and there's 
Three of them we're going to talk about here. Final Fortune, Last Chance, and Warrior's Oath. And these all have basically the same text. One is an instant and two are sorceries. But they say take an extra turn after this one and they all cost two red mana. That's Sweet. it. What a great deal. That's there's a, no downside, right? Yeah. The the <laughs> downside of all of them is at the end of that turn, the extra turn, you lose the game. Oh. So two mana take an extra turn is power nine power, right? That's a banned card. Yeah. Um, and the fact that these have this downside is what kind of keeps them in check. But again, that says at the beginning of your next turn, you lose the game. So with Obeka out, you just get two mana, extra turn extra spells. Turn. Also, these spells do not exile themselves yeah, so you when you cast back, them. Huh? So you can Snapcaster Mage and things them. You are in blue and red and black, which is great at Graveyard Recursion. Yeah, so those are nutso cards in the deck, just just way under-costed with Obeka out. And the fact that you tap Obeka there, it doesn't matter, you're taking the extra turn. Right. Uh, I guess that's at the end of the extra turn, but still, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then there's all these cards that get cards out of graveyards, and then say, for, for very cheap, and usually give them haste, and then usually say, sacrifice get or, rid of them, or yeah, exile sorry. it at the beginning of the next end step. So Puppeteer Click steals creatures out of other players' graveyards, out of opponents' graveyards. Has Persistal to do it twice. Yep. Usually you have to, at the beginning of your next end step, exile it, but no, just keep it forever because of Obeka. Cauldron Dance is a really cool one. Oh yeah, six mana, it's an instant. I've actually never seen this card before because it was one of those ones that sort of slipped by in the commander sets. Uh, but you can only cast it in combat. You return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield against haste, and you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. And you can also put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, and that creature gains haste, and its controller sacrifices at the beginning of the next end step. So you do two things. You take something from the graveyard on the battlefield that goes to your hand, and you take something from your hand on the gra- uh, battlefield that then goes to the graveyard. But you just get to get both, and they both stay on the battlefield with the Obeka trigger. Yeah, six mana, cheat two things into play. One from graveyard, one from hand. They both get haste, and then end the turn, just keep them on the battlefield forever. Well, you know, until somebody destroys them or whatever. Right. Uh, there's also Gruesome Encore, which is two and a black for a sorcery. Put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Against haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. Again, keep it forever. Um, speaking of Encore, there's a brand new mechanic. That's right. In Commander Legends, that's very, very good with Obeka. Encore and Obeka are just really good friends. Yeah, so Encore usually has a cost associated with it, and then it says for each opponent, create a token copy of this card that's usually in your graveyard. It has to be in your graveyard, sorry. That attacks that opponent, and they gain haste, and you sack them at the beginning of the next end step. So if you have three opponents, it's kind of like Myriad. You make three copies of a card that you create. Um, there's a card called Arumi of the Dead Tide, which is one, a blue, and a black. Exile, two tap it, two exile cards from your graveyard, equal to the number of opponents you have. And then a target creature card gains Encore. So then you can cast the Encore card. So Arumi just lets you buy back stuff constantly. You're going to get three copies of it if you have three opponents. And then Obeka makes sure they stick around. We'll talk more about Arumi in our next uh, set review episode. Yeah, but Arumi gives things Encore. So if you had like Moldrifter in your graveyard, oh, gosh. normally you're drawing six cards, which is good, but then it also sticks around for you. I guess that doesn't matter with Moldrifter. But you see what I'm saying? If you get a really good right. card in your graveyard and can give it Encore, also there's Encore cards in the set that are just good in this deck because they already have Encore. So when they're in your graveyard, you Encore them out. And normally that's like a big splashy play, but they you get, get three of something, the but yeah. then they go away. Obeka says, no, I'll just keep those. That's pretty cool. Um, another mechanic that is good with Obeka is Dash. Yeah. So Dash is an alternate cost on spells that allows you to cast the spell for its Dash cost. If you do, it gains haste. And then um, 
it's returned from the battlefield to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Usually dash is a cheaper cost. Again, Obeka will allow you to keep the creature out and not return to your hand. There's a card called Flame Rush, Rush Rider. Really good in the deck because this card has dash for two red red. It's a 3-3, three, three, but it says whenever it attacks, you put a token onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that's a copy of another target attacking creature. Exile the token at the end of combat. Oh, okay. So if you ha- know you have this card, you can make all your plays in the first main, go to your combat, attack with Flame Rush Rider, make a copy of something, and then keep the copy because of Obeka and the turn, Yeah, you know, when that trigger goes on the stack at the end of combat. Notably, the end of combat, we've seen this a bunch with like reconnaissance and stuff. Uh, you can have combat damage happen before there is the end of combat phase. So you can have your, da- your combat do all of the damage, do all of the effects, and then end the turn, and you'll still get damage through. Uh, Flame Shatter Conjuring, which we already talked about, makes copies of creatures right. when uh, you have creatures ETB and those copies exile at the beginning of the next end step. If you ever get Flame Shatter Conjuring and sneak attack out at the same time, you're probably just going to win because you go pay one red, put Blightsteel out, pay another, another red, make red, a copy of it. Blightsteel, yeah. yeah. They both have haste, by the way. And they're sticking around. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zara says at the beginning of oh, the right. next end step when it steals cards out of people's hands tapped and attacking, so you get to keep those forever. Zara's yeah. really, really good. I think Obeka also just goes again in the Marchesa deck and vice versa. They, there's lots of sneaky things you can do here. Uh, Mimic Vat is another thing that creates a token just for the turn, but you'll get to keep it forever. Yeah, but now you get one every single turn because it's a repeatable effect. Oh, here's a mean one. Oh, Desolation. One black black. Uh, at the end of each turn, every player that tapped a land for mana during that turn sacks a land. Uh, and if a planes is sacrificed, state desolation deals two damage to that controller. However, this is not about the plane so much. So if you, it's an enchantment. So it just sits there, and each player who tapped a land for mana has to sack. during that turn sacks a land. Um, if it's a planes, it deals two damage. But yes, so this means that you're just going to be ending the turn when your end step comes every time. So you won't sack lands to desolation, but your opponents will. Yeah, that's rough. Um, then there's stuff like Void Walk. I really like. It's three and a blue for a sorcery. Exile oh, yeah. target creature. Return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. And it has Cypher. So it goes on to a creature after you cast it. And then every time you deal combat damage with that uh, creature, you cast the spell again. So this is just perma-exile. Yeah, because you exile a creature. It goes to the exile. And then Voidwalks triggers at the beginning of the end step saying, hey, bring that creature back. And you go, nah, I'm just going to end the turn so that creature never comes back. Oh, I like that a lot. That's actually really tricky. Word to the wise, if somebody does this to your commander and they're playing Obeka, just put it into the command zone. Yeah, Do not get it stuck in exile forever. Don't, yeah, that would, oh, rough. Uh, then there's some interesting card draw cards. I really like this one. Psychic Vortex, it's two blue blue, and it has a cumulative upkeep of draw cards. So you draw one the first turn, two the next turn. Yeah, However, at the end of each of your turns, sacrifice a land and discard your hand. How about not? Because, again, trigger is on stack. So this first turn, you draw a card. Second, you draw two. Then you draw three. By the, the fourth turn, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. You got to make sure you have Obeka yes. and a Sundial out. Otherwise, if one gets rid of one or both, you are just discarding your hand. You really want like uh, some way, so, like Lightning Greaves before you even cast it. You yeah. Know? Just yeah, 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 totally. Trying try to be as safe as possible. Then there's um, Ideas Unbound, which is blue-blue for sorcery. Draw three cards, discard three cards at end of turn. Oh, two mana draw three cards? Yep. You're getting into Ancestral Recall territory there. Yeah, so uh, Obeka, a really, really cool deck. Um, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things you can do with it. So Yeah, I would go the untapper route, so you could use Obeka a lot and just constantly be a nuisance. I think you really only want to be able to untapper once, because in my experience, you almost never actually run into an instant or an, an 
an instance where you need it on another player will allow you to end their turn. I see. Yeah. Very rare. But, but having Obeka untapped during other players' turns does make them have to worry about it and play differently. So that is useful. Right. Good point. All right. Well, we went really in depth on Obeka, but I mean, this does seem like a, of all the commanders so far, I'm very likely to build something around Obeka or Zara or include them in the most of my decks. All right. Okay, moving on, we are now in Golgari. We'll go alphabetical here. So we first up have the uncommon. It's the Abomination of Lanawar. One, a black and a green. This art is awful. It's <laughs> star star with vigilance and menace. It's a legendary elf horror. It definitely is horrific. Abomination of Lanawar's power and toughness are each equal to the number of elves you control plus the number of elf cards in your graveyard. So this is interesting. This is a, a full-on elf tribal deck. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people are excited because of the fact that it says elf cards in your graveyard, and that actually makes a difference because there are cards like Eye Blight's Ending. That's a tribal instant that mm. says tribal instant elf. So Abomination will actually count that in the graveyard towards its power and toughness. It's not that exciting otherwise, but you know, in the black-green world, you have Nath of the Guilt Leaf. Um, which is all about discarding cards. Uh, really a discard deck. It just yeah. happens to make elves, yeah. Yeah, but this is an elf tribal commander if you want to just make your commander huge. It's got Vigilance and Menace. Menace, it's hard to block. Um, it will do a lot of damage. I don't think it's actually that exciting to me personally. No, I don't think it's that good, but as far as like... Because there's a lot of black elves. Yes. And they haven't really had much of a home because they actually don't go in Nath or Jarad usually because that's not what those... Those decks don't actually care about the number elves, of elves yeah. you have. At least this is a deck finally where all the like Shaman of the Pack and, and other cards that have black in them and also care about elves can kind of finally like do some interaction with the commander that matters. Feel good about yourself. Finally. Yeah. I don't um, think it's going to be amazing or anything, yeah. but at least like it's kind of... It, like, it's kind of the best Golgari elf tribal commander, right? Like, just by default. Yeah, I would argue that you'd actually want to put this into a Kethys the Hidden Hand deck, because Kethys mm. is also an elf, and it has an additional color of white in it, and it would be a legendary elf spells matters deck. And oh, there are a lot of legendary elves out there, a lot of things that, you know, do good things, and just elf tribal, elf ball, whatever you want to call it. Pretty powerful. Um, I think this is nice. It fits right into that, like, sort of like that flying commander. It's all about flying stuff. This is just about making a bunch of elves, and you can make it pretty powerful because there are, you know, competitive decks in the legacy world that are elves, or you can just make just it casual. Just elves is amazing. So. Yeah, or you can <laughs> just, you know, just play a bunch of elves and have a lot of fun and hopefully swing with this absolutely horrific-looking elf. All right, the next one is the rare in Golgari, and this is another deck that we built and playtested. In fact, it was Murph who built this deck, uh, again, two years ago. We've updated since. Yeah. And Murph is going to be playing this deck in extra turns coming up. Ooh. It's, yeah, it's Belby Corruptor, Corrupted Observer. It's a green and a black for a 2-2 legendary zombie elf. It says, at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase, that player adds... Two colorless mana, diamond, diamond mana, for each of your opponents who lost life this turn. So if you're in a four-player game, and after your combat's over, each of your opponents has taken at least one damage, you will get six colorless mana into your mana pool. Whoa. Now, this says at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase, that means it works for your opponents. However, your opponents have a lot harder time getting all six because if they damage you they don't get mana for that right it's each of your opponents yeah so they can get up to four typically however and we've seen similar things on game nights before yeah. if your opponent damages themselves 
they are your opponent, so they will get mana for that. So a shock land, a fetch land. Ancient tomb. Yeah, will give them two extra mana in their post-combat main phase, even if they don't deal any damage attacking. Yeah. It, it's pretty interesting. It creates an interesting dynamic. Usually the Belby deck is getting a lot more mana than most of the other decks. Most decks aren't set up to just deal damage to all opponents. And that's really what a Belby deck we've learned uh, wants to do is just little bits of damage to every all your opponents or all players. Yeah, ideally not through combat, even yeah. though this is triggering post-combat. So there are a lot of ways to do that. And then you just ramp a bunch. Pretty exciting. Yeah, what you do is you play some little effect that deals one damage to each opponent or one damage to all players. And that effectively gives you six mana. Yeah. And then you play something crazy. Yeah, Belby would be way worse if it said at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase, that player adds for blah, 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 for each opponent's that were dealt damage this turn. But right. this is lost life. And damage can cause loss of life, but you can also do a lot of other cool effects. Uh, so a really good card in the deck is, is, or a really good mechanic is extort. Because anytime you cast a spell, you can pay either a white or a red. And if you black. do... Or white or black, sorry. And if you do, each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life. There's confusion about this card because... <laughs> all the time. All the time. Extort is legal in mono white or mono black decks because the hybrid mana symbol that is on the extort cards is a reminder text and not rules text. If you don't believe us, go look it up before you get in the comments and tell us we're wrong. This is absolutely the way it works, trust me. Uh, but extort can go in the Belby deck even though there's no white in it. And it becomes very, very good because anytime you cast a spell, you just pay that one extra black mana and it's going to mm -hmm. get... Effectively, that one black mana will give you six colorless mana in your second main phase. So Crypt Ghast is a really good one because it's also going to double the, the mana on all your swamps. Yeah, that might be one of the best cards in the deck, actually. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, this is a land I didn't know existed. It's yeah. Leech Ridden Swamp. It is a land with a swamp subtype and you can tap it to add black to your mana pool. Enters the battlefield tapped. However, you can pay a black and tap the land and each opponent loses one life. Play this ability only if you control two or more black permanents, which doesn't seem too hard in a black-green deck, um, but it will ping everyone for one, and then you, boom, get six colorless mana at your second post-combat main phase. Yeah, so this land and another land basically produce six mana, Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Uh, we don't like three CMC rocks. We mentioned that recently. A mm -hmm. lot of you still love Chromatic Lantern for some reason. That's just bewildering to me. But however, in this deck, there's a three CMC rock I think we would play, and it is Cryptolith Fragment. Three mana for an artifact enters the battlefield tapped, but you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and then each player loses one life. So this effectively gives you seven mana yeah, it's when nuts. you tap it. Uh, it's, sp it's spread out a totally, little bit. Totally, yeah. Right? One yeah. in six, yeah. yeah. But uh, you can also do this in other players' turns, and then they'll get that mana as well. So this could be a political card too. Interesting. And then uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if each player has 10 or less life, you transform the Cryptolith Fragment, um, and it becomes the Aura of Emrakul, which is also good with Belby. It's a 1-4 flying death touch, but whenever it attacks, each opponent loses 3 life. Hey, So it still bad. does the thing for you. Yep. Uh, there's a great card called Pestilence. Great card. It's two black black. At the end of your turn, if there are no creatures in play, you sacrifice it. However, you can just pay one black mana to deal one damage to each creature and player. So this is similar to Leech Ridden Swamp. However, this can also hit creatures and the idea is that if you use it too many times it kills all the creatures and it sacrifices itself but you only need to pay one black into this to get six mana seems good to me and that's a really good one also on opponent's turn so you're like oh yeah. i could give you a little extra mana if you need it what are you gonna do with that mana yeah. and anyone that, that has thing? one ones in their deck just hates pestilence. yeah just hates token it. decks hate it yeah uh triska decophobia is three and a black for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you choose one each player with exactly 13 life loses the game then each player gains one life or each player with exactly 13 life loses the game then each player loses one life you're gonna have everybody lose one life so you can get the extra mana yep 
card oh, that we talked this about card's quite a bit. still good in the deck. It's just always good now. Yeah. It's Deathrite Shaman, uh, black and green. If you're playing Golgari and not running this, you should reconsider. Uh, you can tap it to exile a land from a graveyard and you add a mana, or you can tap a black and tap it to exile an instant or a sorcery from a graveyard and each opponent loses two life, thus triggering Belby. Or you can tap a green and exile a creature card from a graveyard and you gain two life. So the first two are more of the relevant ones. You can get rid of people's fetch lands or whatever. And you can also get rid of people's instants and sorceries, maybe even response to a Snapcaster Mage, um, and then get a bunch of mana off it. If your deck can run it, you should run it. It's a one-mana Planeswalker. It's yeah. graveyard hate. It's ramp. It deals damage against life. In this deck, it gives a ton of mana. Yeah. Right? Totally. Anytime anybody's got an instant or sorcery. Yeah. That card is crazy. And then, so you get all this mana, and then you need cool stuff to do with the mana. Uh, and Murph pulled aside a couple of his favorites. One is in Garrick's Wake. Yep, that'll do it. This is seven black black for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures you don't control and all planeswalkers you don't control. Normally prohibitive costs, right? Nine CMC. But often the turn after you play Belby, like turn three, you could cast this because you really just need one black black because Belby's going to provide the other six Oh mana. my gosh, that's true. You yeah. just need murder mana. Yeah, so there's definitely been games where he casts Ingar Swick on like turn four and it's just <laughs> like, ugh, if you have a good setup or everybody's commander's out or something. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, so that's That is it's very, cool. very brutal. And then um, Worm Coil Engine is great because it's exactly six generic mana you can cast it with the six colorless mana it's a six six with death touch and lifelink but when it dies you put a three three uh artifact worm creature with death touch and a three three with lifelink onto the battlefield so it dies into two three threes um this is just a house of a card because again often when you play against this deck this card comes out on turn three or four Oh, that's right. Yeah, turn two playing Belby is really important. Turn three, you're able to do something and boom, get six mana, as well as three additional lands that you're probably, or four lands. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, three lands, I guess. You're in, yeah, you're in green. You're going to have extra ramp. You know, a lot of times Belby's played maybe on turn three three and then on turn four you have like five or six mana you do a little thing that deals damage to everybody get six mana from that and yeah. then go boom make a seven or eight nine mana play arguably belby could also do this on turn three uh you play belby do something with that one extra black mana get and the then six. cast yeah. a worm coil engine yeah yeah so it's it's pretty explosive you can get like eldrazi out pretty fast too that's yeah. not how murph plays but i was like do you have kozilek in the deck and i don't think he does but i think you should put it in there if you're playing it yeah and if you need to change the mana to different colors prismite two mana you can pay two to add one mana of any color uh there's also helix pinnacle which is a very silly card in green where you get to put tower counters on it for x mana and then if you have a hundred or more tower counters at the beginning of your upkeep you win the game so you can start saving up the mana yeah save up that mana. i don't think that's that's the casual way to take uh belby there's a gemstone array there's right. ways to filter the, the colorless mana into colored, but I think in general you don't need that. You can just build your deck with all the cool stuff you want to cast being mostly colorless mana. Totally. This deck is way more powerful than it looks. Like, w every time Murph plays it, it's like, that deck does work. It's it's very good. Yeah, it ramps up very quickly. Yeah. Okay, well, now let's move on to the final two cards of this first part of this Solo Legends set review. These are also two of the three color cards in Jund and Sultai that both have black and green in them. So, first up, let's go to... Your luck of Scorch Thrash. Almost thought I said trash at first. <laughs> it's one in Jun, so black, green, and uh, red for four mana total for a 4 4 legendary creature, Viashino Shaman, with Vigilance. A player losing unspent mana causes that player to lose that much life. And you can pay one mana and tap it to have each player add black, red, green. So, Mana Burn's back. Mana Burn is back. And. 
you can give people mana at instant speed by paying one mana and tapping the Yurlock to add three mana to every single player. So you actually get two mana out of that transaction. Everyone else gets one. three. Everyone else gets three. And then as soon as you move to the next phase, yep. boom, they all take that much damage. And you too, because it's a player losing unspent mana causes right. that player to lose that much life. So it's not like only your opponents have mana burn. Everybody's got mana burn. Yes. So it's a pretty interesting and fun deck. Um, just because you're going to try and win in a really weird way, which is giving people too much mana, <laughs> right? Yeah. But there are fortunately lots of different ways to just to go immediately ultimate, uh, uh, infinite. So Umbral Mantle is a card that you can pay to, uh, three to untap the card, and then you can put a card like Leyline of Abundance out there, which gives you an extra mana. So every single time you'll have enough mana to pay one into this, get three mana, and that's going to give you four, and then you pay three to untap it, and then you have an extra mana to tap it again. So you can just give everyone infinite mana and then pass the phase. Just kill them immediately. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of cards that fit into what is a two-step process, right? You you use a card that can untap your lock. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of cards you can do it. Umbral Mantle, Sword, Sword of Parents, Staff of Domination. Now, they were smart, and I think they knew about this, and they required mana to tap your lock so yes. that it's you're going to need one additional step. Otherwise, Umbral Mantle will just immediately go infinite, right, with the tap, untap, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, three mana, untap, yeah. three mana, untap. Uh, and then, so what you need to do is add a card that's going to increase the amount of mana that your lock produces. And like you said, Leyline of uh, Abundance does it. Mana mm -hmm. Reflection does it. Nyx Bloom Ancient does. There's a bunch of cards that'll that'll do that, right? Yeah. Um, and then when your lock's creating enough mana to use those other cards to infinitely untap itself, you're spending all the mana to tap in a, to untap your lock, but your opponents aren't spending that mana. Yeah. They're just accumulating a ton of it, you know, unless they have a staff of domination or something out, which they probably don't. Um, you have to be a little careful because they could use that mana maybe to try and kill you in that moment. But you know, if it's during combat or during an incept and, and you, it's during your turn, it, there's a, just a low chance that, you know, that's really going to hurt you. And then, yeah, that that will just win the game when you pass or yeah. when you change phases. Pray that your opponent doesn't have, like, a Comet Storm or an instant speed spell they can dump mana into. Um, there's a lot of really cool cards, though, I think, that work with this deck because you don't need to use your ability for it to affect other players. Um, there are cards like War's Toll, which is three and red for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, tap all lands that player's controls. And if the creature an opponent controls attacks, all creature that opponent controls attacks if able. So you don't tech. So let's say I'm the opponent of your luck. I tap one land. Wars Toll says, well, if you don't tap all of your lands right now, or you have to tap yep, all your lands right yeah. now, but you won't get mana for them. So in response, I could be like, fine, I'll float this mana and use it. But no matter what, you're taxing people's mana. And well, so it gives them less option, I think. Either they pay mana and potentially lose some, or Yurlock just is like setting this kind of like boundary on them to be like, you can't use your mana the way you do want to. I kind of control the, the pace there. Well, Yurlock gives three colors of mana, black, red, and green. Mm -hmm. It does not give white or blue. So if you, on their turn, they want to do anything, and that just means white and blue spells will just not be cast during the other the other turns when you're giving them mana because right because war's toll is, is shut down the rest of their lands right exactly well they could have mana rocks and things like right. that but it's just harder so what you're doing is saying anytime you want to use some of your mana you have to use all of it and now when i'm giving you mana later that makes that a lot less dangerous because you don't have as many options because you, you can only filter. use these yeah. three colors yeah right, right so i think war's toll works really well in that instance there's also mana web which is three mana for an artifact whenever a land an opponent controls it uh is tap for mana tap all lands that player controls that could produce any 
any type of mana that that land can produce. So if they tap an island, they have Same to tap idea. anything they can tap for blue. Yeah. Yep. Price of Glory is my least favorite mm-hmm. card. Two and red for an enchantment. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, if it's not that player's turn, destroy that land. So now, you know, you may give them three mana and they're like, cool, I want to do something for six, but darn, Price of Glory is out. I actually don't want to do that. Yep. Um, Conqueror's Flail is another one. It's two mana for an artifact. Right. Equipment, two to equip. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each color among permanents you control. It doesn't matter too much. Uh, but then it says, as long as Conqueror's Flail is attached to a creature, your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. So this is Grand Abolisher, basically, but outside of white. So that yeah. means on your turn, you're pretty safe to give them a ton of mana because they can't cast spells. Yep. So they could activate abilities and stuff, but you can usually see those coming. Uh, so that's when you'll feel really safe to be like, okay, now I'm going to give everybody somehow, maybe not infinite, maybe just like 15 mana and do 15 to everybody. That's still pretty good. Yeah. The only thing you don't want to do is to is a Krufix player, which doesn't lose unspent mana between turns and phases. So they're mm. just collecting the mana. Yep. But if you do see that your opponents have a lot of artifacts with activated abilities, they can ch- pump the mana into somewhere else. You have a lot of options in these colors to stop them. You have Collector Ufi, you have Cursed Totem, which are both basically saying activated abilities of artifacts or creatures can't be activated. Now, Cursed Totem, a little worse against here a lot because it affects yourself yeah and also since a lot of your combo pieces are like umbral mantle i don't know if you want to do the artifacts one either but But you also have cards like magus of the vineyard which is cards that add mana to people's mana pool so at the beginning of each player's main pre-combat main phase you can add green green to their mana pool so which is kind of interesting if they can't use the green mana most times they will but there's a lot of interesting things you can do where you just kind of give people mana. There's like this weird game you can maybe play where it's like, I do want my opponents to have more mana until the turn that I start killing them with it. Yeah, you can make deals like, hey, I could give you four mana right now. If you if I do that, you know, what will you do for me? Will you destroy this thing or not attack me or whatever? And yeah. then you're just kind of biding your time, keeping everybody at bay with your politics until you finally go, okay, now I'm going to use my umbral mantle and kill everybody or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's overabundance, which is kind of funny. It's one red and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, that player adds one additional mana to their mana pool of the same type, and then overabundance deals the damage to them. So it's like, hey, everyone, get more mana, but start doing the thing that my deck wants you to do, which is like slowly ping yourself down. And then if you're in this deck, you play Leyline Tyrant and you play Omnath Locus of Mana because both of those will stop red and green mana from disappearing from your mana pools as steps and phases end. And so you you collect your extra mana, yeah. Yeah. Because I could see someone being like, I don't want to play a two-card infinite combo with Yurlock. That's boring. I'd rather do something a little more interactive. And so I think you can kind of do that world there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seems cool. I definitely so. like pretty fragile so i don't think it's gonna be like crazy powerful but it'll be fun definitely a fun card again this is like just new design space yeah. and it's i've never seen a jund deck do this yeah exactly the so. fact that some they were like we should have a card that brings mana burn back is pretty funny yeah i like that all right we're down to our last card for this video it's arkelos lagoon mystic one and Sultai, so one black, green, blue, four mana for a two, four legendary turtle shaman. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but this guy looks Am a little older. Am I not turtly right enough for the turtle club? <laughs> uh, as long as Arkelos is tapped, other permanents enter the battlefield tapped. All of them, your opponents, yours. Permanents. As long as Arkelos is untapped, other permanents enter the battlefield untapped. Hmm. So obviously, on your turn, Arkelos is going to be untapped. Because, you know, you untap it at the beginning of your untap step, and you're going to want to do most things, and then somehow tap Arkelos so that on everyone else's turn, their permanence, that's basic lands and everything, enter the battlefield tapped. 
I think getting Arkelos tapped is the most important part of this equation because untapping is going to happen naturally yeah. on your untapped step. But you're not always going to be able to attack. It's a 2-4. And we saw with Kalamax, that can more re- reliably attack because it's a 4-4 four, four that grows. Um, Arkelos, you just want to use tap abilities. And fortunately, there are a lot in this in these colors, right, Josh? Yeah. Fate Stitcher, one of my favorites. I like this one a lot because it can untap Arkelos. Or tap. Or tap it. So you really have a lot of control over Arkelos in those... St- you can make a deal like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't want Jimmy to get it, but like it goes to Megan's turn and I'm like, hey, if I let you, your permits come into play uh, yeah. untapped, will you, you know, help me out here? And then you, it, you can't choose to do that unless you have a card like Face Stitcher, right? And a lot of times too, if one player is going off and Arclos is there and you're like, well, I'm going to tap him and make you suffer. Everyone else, it's like, well, we could have helped if we could get the lands. Yeah, I'm playing this turn, come into play untapped. And you're like, ah, shoot. Okay, you're right. Yeah, so uh, Springleaf Drum, Honor Worn Shaku, yep. those are ways to tap Arcalos from mana. Uh, Lotus, oh, now we'll talk about the cards that are good yeah. if, if they come into play untapped. So Bounce Lands. Bounce Lands are amazing. Really, really good if they come into play untapped because you still tap the land that you're going to bounce, then you play the Bounce Land and you basically get one extra mana for that turn because it'll come into play untapped so yeah you're gonna play all the bounce lands you can yeah there's crazy lands like lotus field that enters the battlefield tapped uh however you have to sack two lands when it comes into play but you add three mana of any one color so in this way you're not wasting a land drop having to wait the whole turn cycle that's coming into play untapped and again you you tap the lands you're going to sack to it so you effectively get two extra mana from lotus field yep. worn power stone is a card that's like pretty awesome if it comes into play untapped right yeah three mana two for two that's for pretty two. good yeah so i think arcalos has definitely got a lot of value stapled all over it and then if you wanted to go a little harder with it you could play the stacks route i'm afraid this is the version that is going to be known for arcalos because it does like it's it doesn't take stacks. a lot of imagination to, to like of course the, the first thing you think of when you see this is yeah you should play it with all the stacks pieces and i think that's probably so so we're going to see arcalos in the command zone or when we do it's going to be one of those oh boy is it a stacks deck and they're like no it's a turtle tribal deck and you're like are there i don't know if turtles? i believe you and they're going to turn to winter orb and you're going <laughs> to be like wait you said well turtles like winter yeah exactly the arcalos is hibernating right now this is the vorthos <laughs> aspect of the deck Winter Orb 2, because as long as it's untapped, then players can't untap more than one land during their untapped steps. So if you have tapping abilities like a Fate Stitcher, oh you boy. tap the Winter Orb when before, you know, and then boom, you untap all your things. And you can make it so that you're the only person not affected by Winter Orb. One of the few ways to get out of a Winter Orb is to, like, play a land, wait a turn, play a land, and, and slowly get to the point where you're like, Reclamation Sage, kill the Winter Orb. Yeah. Now we're, whew, we're, we can breathe. Just took but me two and a half turns. if land you play comes into play tapped, you're not... Oh, yeah. You're not making any progress, really. Wow, you're doubly slowing them down. Yeah, stasis is another one. Uh, Players have to skip their untapped steps, so... That's not nice. Yeah, that's a little brutal and tougher to work around. You'll need some stuff because Arcalos won't untap then. Yeah. But, you know, obviously stack stacks find a way around the stasis thing yeah there's a million ways would you build this in the stacksy way josh no i don't think so yeah i don't think so either i think there's a lot of fun to be had here with just it could be a very political group huggy type deck too just to you know always control people's untapped steps i could see people getting a little sick and tired of that pretty quickly though i think just taking advantage of the fact that this card allows you to play a bunch of stuff that would otherwise be bad yeah the slow fetches yeah life lands yeah exactly like think of people that are always complaining that, oh, the mana bases for some of these decks are so expensive, which, by the way, they're not. Like, we've played against people like Mitch, and he'll play five colors with a lot of basics, do just fine. You can play what you want. But if your guild gates are basically dual lands, 
because they come into play on taps because your commander. Your life lands are dual lands. Yeah. And not just lands, any card that is balanced. Yeah. You know, they balance cards, right? They design it and they go, okay, well, this is powerful. How do we make it so that it, it's, you know, going to make sense for the game? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, one of the ways they kind of put a check and balance on cards is be like, okay, well, let's have it enter the battlefield tapped. This is, gets around that. So there's a bunch of cards I'm sure out there that we didn't even think of that are really good with Arcalos. So I don't think you have to go the stacks route. I just hope. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't get the reputation for being a stack stack because it won't matter then what cool thing you did. Everyone <laughs> will make the assumption, right? Well, this is a great way to play these Sultai colors with a budget mana base and just be pretty reliant that you're never gonna have to worry too much about it. If you yeah, do, slow if you go fetches, that guild gates, life lands. Just literally go to gather and look up enters the battlefield tapped or enter the battlefield tapped and then uh, put those colors in there and see what comes up yeah gonna be a lot of cool stuff yeah all right that's gonna end part one of our solo commanders for commander legends part two will be coming out next week i'm sure there's so many um, cards to yeah. talk about then we're gonna do the partners and then in the 99 and maybe talk about drafting a video so we got a lot left just just hit the subscribe button and stay tuned because there's gonna be a lot of content in the next couple of weeks uh to the listeners what do you think of our first batch of cards from Commander Legends? There's obviously plenty more to go, so let us know if you found a combo or interaction uh, among these that we missed. Yeah, or you think it's cool, or maybe why would you ever build it like that, Jimmy and Josh? Why don't you do X, Y, and Z instead? Let us know. Just let Jimmy know about that last one. I don't need to know. I'm, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm straight. I'm well, no matter how you do it, do it with a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a smile emoji at the end and everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, or an exclamation point that like dissolves all aggression. It's pretty funny. Okay, uh, and of course, we mentioned a lot of cards today, a lot of combos, a lot of really interesting things. Hopefully, your brewing minds are going and you're going to want to brew some decks around this. And if you want to pick up any of those cards that you need for these decks, tune them up or just to buy some Commander Legends packs, singles, sealed product, what have you, cardking.com slash command zone that's the affiliate link it's as simple as typing it into your browser and boom you have access to almost every single card in the history of magic the gathering any commander deck you want to build plus card king does awesome things they'll have these like pre-built decks if you're trying to teach someone new it's an amazing way to go you just buy these decks that are more built to sort of be like a balanced experience against each other and boom you're off to the races so there's tons of options tons of ways to play magic not just commander if you're learning to teach someone new over the holiday season cardking.com slash command zone yeah, but who are we kidding? You're going to buy Commander Legends. <laughs> like, everyone's buying Commander Legends. That's what I'm doing. Just buy cardkingdom.com slash command zone, and uh, you're getting the cards you want, helping us out. Uh, and then once you get those cards, you really do want to keep them safe and secure in mint condition. And the best way to do that is to put them into Pro Gloss Ultra Pro Eclipse Sleeves, or actually... Any Ultra Pro sleeve uses the Eclipse technology now. They call it Chroma Fusion, I think. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling it Eclipse technology. But whatever it is, it makes the sleeves nearly indestructible. We have had our decks sleeved in these Eclipse-type sleeves for years and years now. I haven't switched a single deck out of Eclipse sleeves because of any problem with the sleeves. I did switch a couple because they came out with Pro Gloss, and I wanted to do right. that. Right. But I haven't had it. I've had a same draft set for pre-releases and stuff. Obviously, we haven't gotten a pre-release, pre-releases in like six months, so that might have to do it. But uh, for like a few years now, because the sleeves just last. Yeah, and not to mention they have all the art sleeves. Like they had all yeah. of the guild ones, and those are built with the Chroma Fusion technology, and they shuffle great. A lot of times, you know, if you want to get a sleeve with art in it, you run the risk of scuffing it up or it not or being peeling smooth. Off yeah, and Ultra Pro, again, they've been doing this for so long that they've really mastered how to make those art sleeves, and those are are great as well so if you want to you know suit up your deck with some style or just go for the eclipse uh, pro gloss whatever you want and need to do ultra pro's got you covered all right now it's time for the end step 
which snuck up on us. It did. Uh, where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Oh, you wrote something in here. I do. I got this one. Sweet. So it's a brand new movie on Netflix to celebrate. Uh, it's kind of like a, I would call it a mix between Inside Out, that was the one about the emotions, mm-hmm. and Zootopia. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then one of the oldest Chinese folk tales uh, about the moon, about Chang'e, which is I, some people that play Mobile Legends will have seen this character Chang'e, like riding around on the moon, and her lover Ho Yi. And it's about this little kid that dreams of going to the moon. And it's an animated movie that's a musical, and it has elements of those first movies I've talked about. It's really beautiful. It's based on a really, really old folk tale. Um, if you enjoy animated movies, if you're looking for something really easy and safe to watch with your family as well, this movie is definitely recommended. Uh, it's on Netflix. Netflix right now it, it's beautiful can i eat mooncake while i watch it you can in fact yes. the movie has mooncakes yes. throughout the entire darn thing it's then a i'm a major in. part of the story uh, because the mid-autumn festival is all about eating these delicious 1000 calorie mooncakes they are a bajillion calories but they're really really yeah, good really as good. anything with that many calories is usually good actually yeah jam-packed you could eat that and like literally eat nothing else for the whole day like if I ever had, it's like Lembus bread, right? Yeah. It's a mooncake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over the moon on Netflix. Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Justin Masseth, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Estaca, Patrick Non, and Sam Waldo. Big team. Thanks all. And of course, big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. He does the Living Cards animations that often live behind us on set that definitely start our show. And uh, you can always find Jeffrey online at Living Cards MTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Oof, we got more to go. Stay tuned. Play more set reviews. Yeah, we'll see you very, very soon. Very soon. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.